Greetings. Uh, this is the fifth episode of 10 Questions with Mr. Beat. And now this is on a podcast. So you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thank, thank you to Mrs. Beat for setting that up. Um, if you just search Mr. Beat Podcast, or I think, I think the Beat, no, Beat Pod, the Beat Pod. It's called the Beat Pod. So anyway, these these are because uh, a lot of you probably would just listen, but for everyone else, thanks for being here, especially the uh, the crew that's live tonight. We have uh, someone I've known for a while. Um, he has um, been doing YouTube about as long as me, maybe even longer. I guess we can hash that out. But uh, kind of a legend um, in terms of the. Uh, history tuber community, but also specifically geography and, and maps in particular. His map videos uh, have got tens of millions of views. Uh, I've known him for about four years. Uh, but anyway, I uh, want to welcome now uh, my special guest, uh, Emperor Tigerstar. <laughs> Give it up. Woo! Oh, my gosh. Woo! Yeah. Thank so you. Thank you. Another thing is you don't appear on camera very often, so there's his beautiful face. And uh, <laughs> usually uh, it's the avatar uh, yeah. that everyone knows, which I have a question about, so I'll hold off on that. Oh, can't wait. <laughs> uh, before we jump in, we have 10 questions for each other. This is how this typically works. We, uh, we came up with the 10 questions uh, independently, we didn't let each other know ahead of time, and they are all open-ended questions, and they are meant to kind of get the conversation going and make it the, the conversation more interesting. I've done this with others like JJ McCullough, Stefan Milo, um, Atunshai, Atlas Pro, so you're my fifth uh, guest, and I probably honestly know you better than all the other uh, guests I've had, So, but that, that should make this even better, right? Because... Yeah. The, the questions are going to be a little bit more out there, probably. <laughs> Mine are pretty basic, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, okay, well, uh, okay, yeah. So before we ask each other our questions, um, the first few minutes here, I want to give the audience an opportunity. If you have questions you want to ask um, Emperor Tigerstar specifically, um, or I guess myself, or both of us, let us know. Um, we'll check it out here. And then we'll do it at the end as well, but we don't want to be interrupted. <laughs> no, he's it's not true. a cat. It's true. I get that a lot. That is always like the first response anytime someone sees my face. You're not a cat. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Uh, you know what? Sleep is overrated. Uh, card off El Toaster. Favorite state. What's your favorite state, Emperor Tiger Star? Oh. <sighs> Sorry, I, dro I dropped my pen. I don't know. I don't think I have a favorite state. Like it'd be so easy for me to say, "Ah, oh, Missouri, my state." But then it's like, "Wow, my state is not the best state at all." <laughs> you know. So, gosh, I. I'll just say. Okay, I'll just say Missouri. Yeah, I. I really. <laughs> the suspense. Yeah, I yeah. can't really think of any. People don't know this. Um, I don't think anyone really knows this, but you and I live like three hours apart. Uh, yeah. we, 
I'm over here in northeastern Kansas. You're in southern Missouri. And we didn't realize it, too. And so we met up one time and hopefully we can meet up again here yeah. soon. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like how close that like, especially considering I as far as I can tell, I'm the only history YouTuber in, in my entire state. Or is there any other history YouTubers in Missouri? I I don't know if you're familiar with oh, um, Civil War week by week. He's technically, even though he's not in there, he, he's from St. Louis. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, but that's the other side of the state from you. So Yeah, I was going to say, if there is going to be one, there is, um, uh, it's going to be from St. Louis, usually. Because yeah. there seem to be a lot of YouTubers from St. Louis. There's also, um, technically not a history channel, but he has done history videos sometimes. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Austin McConnell. Yeah. Where's he from? He's from the same city I am. Holy crap. I had no idea. Yeah. I've never I've never met him, but like uh, he just one day just said, oh, yeah, I'm from Springfield. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we should reach out to him. Yeah. Uh, and then you need to reach out apparently to Canubis, according to Angel here. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I there there are so many like history YouTubers out there. Yeah, yeah I, I get I get requests for collabs with everyone all the time, and I feel so bad because I'd love to do collabs with everyone, but you know, there's only so many videos in a year. Yeah, it's not it's not feasible. I, me too. I, I have a hard time saying no. But although although yeah. hey, announcement, uh, Tiger Star and myself and Alternate History Hub, the three of us are collaborating this coming Friday. Uh, we are all making alternate history videos, basically, but yeah. with uh, presidential elections. So um I, I don't want to spoil it too much, but we've we've each picked a an American presidential election, and uh, we basically picked a different winner. And what would how would history be different if the one of the losers won? So yeah, that, look forward to that on Friday. Yeah. Um, favorite food? Wow, these are softballs here. <laughs> favorite food? Um, if we're talking about just like snack foods, I would say like Cheez-Its are like my favorite thing to snack on. If we're talking about uh, like full dishes, I, I I guess pizza. I know that's such a generic answer, but like you really can't go wrong with pizza. <laughs> that's my favorite food uh, by yeah. far is pizza. Yeah. Uh, oh, hold on. Uh, favorite video game of all time. Um. So, funnily enough, I'm not as much of a gamer compared to a lot of people. Uh, like, I'll play video games sometimes, but, like, my favorite video game is actually Galaga, like the arcade game. Oh, yeah, I used to play that one as a kid. And, and literally, it's just because, like, you know, you start it, you shoot some planes, you get a high score, and you can stop at any time. It's not, it's like, it's very, like, um, you don't have to put a lot of, like, investment into it. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to find all the hidden items. You don't have to like dedicate like hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and days and days to beating. It's just like a fun in and out game that I've just been playing since I was a kid. And so, yeah. Yeah. I, I love Galaga. I would say my all time favorite was Goldeneye. <laughs> I played that in uh, high school a lot, but I, I don't game anymore. I, that's, I kind of got too busy for that. Uh, Corey is a big supporter of mine. Uh, 
yeah so he's a, a fan of you as well apparently and uh yeah i love if you can send me any campaign buttons i have a quite a modest collection behind me but i collect those for sure so feel free to send any my way uh also are you don't still do that podcast with uh cody do you and in now now we we all uh like we just kind of like got busy at the same time and the podcast was never really like dedicated to a schedule. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of one of those things where we all got busy and we never really like, you know, year later and we're like, huh, I guess we're done. Yeah. Okay. You know, Yep, I've been there before. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but they, this was a fan. Uh, Mr. Beast is here as, as well. It's <laughs> not me, but I, I understand the confusion. Yeah, I'd love to bring it back. It's just, I just think everyone's just kind of busy with their own thing now. Yeah, well, Tristan did have a kid. Cody had a kid. Cody had a kid. They both did, yeah. It's, uh, I don't, but I have a cat. A little bit different. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yeah. Um, okay, uh, I'm not, who will win the, the whoop, uh, who will win the World Cup? <laughs> I, I do not follow, um, I do not follow uh, soccer slash football at all. I'm rooting um, for Morocco. Yeah, I, I think I saw it was like, what, it was like Morocco, Argentina, France, and Croatia. Yep. I think. And I think it was like France and Croatia last World Cup, wasn't it? I don't remember. I should know that. I, I think it was like France and Croatia. So like, I remember when I saw the list, I'm like, oh, those two are already there. Uh Argentina, they're they always kind of win a lot. So yeah, Morocco just seems like the underdog. So eh, why not? Morocco? There's never been a team from Africa that won at all. Yeah. Supposedly. Yeah. yeah. Uh favorite country, United States. I'm a little biased, but my second favorite is uh probably Iceland. What's your uh second favorite? <laughs> if we're talking about like to learn about. I have recently been obsessed with uh, Australia and Australian history. Mm. And I think that it's very, both as a continent and as a country, is like very underrepresented when talking about history. Oh, and yeah. So I, I've, been in, I've been enjoying it a lot. I think the most underrepresented, obviously, is Africa. <laughs> well, it's a continent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a continent. Um, but yeah, Australia as well as South America just we continue not to get uh, much attention, like especially on YouTube. That's why if anybody makes a history video, like about anything, Africa, South America, like it's, there's an audience out there. They're not usually American, but there's an audience. Uh, we yeah, I, I try to rotate like between like all the continents, at least like once a year. Cause I would feel bad if I didn't. That's what I literally do for my compared series. Like I, yeah. I, I realized the other day I need to go back to South America actually. So I'm going to, do uh, Colombia and Venezuela compared. That's a good one. Uh, thanks for the generous donation there. Hey, hey, what's cooking? Um, do you remember what grade you made in pre-cal, Mr. Beat? We feeling bad down here in the sea? <laughs> okay, I'm going to blow your mind, Cookie Monster. Um, I never took pre-cal. Uh, I. I, I never took any calculus at all. I, even in college, I got I w didn't have to. I went up to like algebra two and I could have taken like trig or pre-cal, but then I saw that there was like a college dual credit for college algebra in high school. 
And since I hated math, I'm like, I'm I'm getting this out of the way just so I, I never have to take a math class again. So I did the, did the same or something's very similar to that. It's funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, I was even helping my sixth grade uh, daughter. I can't believe she's in sixth grade now already. Uh, but yeah, some of her homework was even a bit challenging for me for math. I was like, oh, cool. OK, so let's go. Let's go get mom. That's embarrassing to say. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite flag of, uh, I guess, state or country? Favorite flag, Nepal. Oh, that's a good one. I always forget about yeah. Nepal. What's really cool about Nepal is not only does it have the funny shape, but in their constitution, they actually have like specific instructions on like how to replicate the flag in terms of like proportions and everything. Yeah. Like you know? I might go with that one as well, actually. Nepal, yeah. FTW. Will I ever run for Senator? Uh, what about Emperor Tiger Star? I would probably get shot. So no thanks. <laughs> you, know. Uh, I, you know what? Like that means you'd be a good one. Um, the ones that are good, right? They always are um, assassinated. Um, yeah. So I'll wait until like I'm in my, like at least my fifties. So I can at least say, well, if I get shot now, then, you know. You know, the thing, what I've noticed about the um, the most progressive politicians throughout history, a lot of the ones who actually did get in there and weren't shot um, were very sneaky with their progressive-ism. It's kind of like, how you got to do it. Yeah, like they, like they were elected as like Franklin Roosevelt ran in 1932, uh, basically kind of talking trash about socialism. People don't even remember that, but yeah, like, um, <laughs> just be like, I will be exactly like Teddy Roosevelt domestically <laughs> yeah. and just not say anything else and hope that it works. Tales of Fox again with these great questions. Favorite city. My favorite big city is Ooh. probably, uh, Austin, Texas, which I just made a video about. Check it out. I'm sorry if I was so biased for Austin. San Antonio is wonderful. I love San Antonio as well. Oh gosh, favorite city. I, it's such a cliche, but I gotta go with Istanbul slash Constantinople, just because there's oh, a world of, city. Yeah, as a world city. Uh, if we're talking about America, then I guess Missouri bias, but I would I would go with St. Louis. I love St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. I uh, and it's such it's so cheap to live there too. People like you can get a nice place right in the middle of town, and yeah, like St. Louis is like. Um, St. Louis is like a good example of like uh, a former big great city because like mm -hmm. it kind of peaked in like the 40s and the 50s in terms of like population, economy and all this stuff. And like many Rust Belt cities. Yeah, but, but even even more, it's like St. Louis, like at its peak was almost at like 900,000 people. And now like there's only like 350,000 in the same like city limits or whatever, because a lot of people yeah. just kind of move to the outer city. So like, it's kind of like Detroit where it's, it's just like, it's really like, you know, hollowed out it used to be. Yeah. Still in the burbs. A lot of people still in the burbs though. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Well, we're going to, it's been 15 minutes. So uh, let's go ahead and get into it. My, so I'll start us off here. If you don't mind. Go up. Okay, so my first question for you, uh, Emperor Tiger Star, is, uh, yeah, what's up with your avatar? Like, I never really got the official story on why and how that got started, the cat and the... 
so so many so many things about my channel were because like oh i'm just a teenager doing this for fun no one watches my videos anyway i'll just do this because it's this random dorky idea i had oh people watch me now and now i have to i have to worry about brand recognition okay i guess i'll keep it i yeah. i just you know i it was literally just uh oh uh because like tiger star is a book character from the warrior cats book series it's like a young adult novel for like basically like middle schoolers early high schoolers and you know i was in that age so like i read it and so <laughs> i'm just like oh prussian uniforms are cool what if i put one on like one of the more militaristic characters from the book that's funny and I guess I'm just still doing it. Stuck with it. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's recognizable. So, I mean, I guess I have no reason to get rid of it. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You kind of, even a lot of us started our channels haphazardly. And we didn't anticipate them to do. Like, I literally, yeah. when I started my channel, only ever expected my own students in real life to watch them. And so that's why it was just my name. Why would I not use just my name, you know? Uh, and then, yeah. and of course, that was before Mr. Beast even existed when I started it. And, you know, I, uh, and for a little while, I called my channel Mr. Beast Social Studies Channel, but then I was like, well, that's too long. So I, I was told that you shouldn't have a long channel name. Um, I, one time I had Mr. Beat autocorrect to Mr. Beast, and I got so mad. I'm like, no, yeah. I will not accept this. Yeah, it really yeah. happened so quickly because I remember even I tweeted about this the other day. It was, it was like 2014, I think. And uh, I, is, I think when I first stumbled, because I was trying to find one of my videos just the easy way. So I just searched my own name um, and then hit one, his channel popped up. I'm like, who's this guy? And uh, the videos were pretty low quality. I mean, they were mediocre, kind of like mine, you know, nothing too special, but that's I was like, okay, well, whatever. At the time, my cha our channels were about the same size. Um, and then, yeah, after 2014, just he blew up. And, like, it's just crazy to see uh, I've actually benefited from it because so many people accidentally type in my name, and I, I, I can only be thankful. And he's plus, he's a nice person. He seems to be a nice person. Like, he doesn't mm – -hmm. he doesn't uh, – he, he reinvests all of it. He's not one of those bling-bling guys who just buys – you know, giant mansion and 20 uh, obscure foreign cars. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess it could be worse, but I, I'm just sticking. People have tried to tell me you need to change your channel name or your my, it, my logo has always been my face. Uh, but, yeah, you're stuck with that for the rest of your life. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> but, like, at this point, it's just like, oh, gosh, watch. I'll change the name or the uh aesthetic or something and that'll be the thing that ends up killing my channel or something like that and so I, i'm almost afraid well yeah like, yeah that's why bands don't change their name because even if like most of the, like black sabbath there was yeah. only tony iomi left and everyone else was gone because the label pressured him to keep the black sabbath name so and then sure enough it helped them sell more records yeah um uh, anyway what's your first question for me all right, so of all of your videos, which video was, like, a lot harder to, like, research and put together than at first glance? Like, maybe you felt like, oh, pfft. like, this, this will be simple and easy, and then ended up being, like, this giant, like, rat complicated rabbit hole or something. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
I mean, the thing about I, w before you finished your question, my answer was the Oregon Trail video, but I knew that was going to be tough going into it, obviously. Um, uh, but yeah, I would say a lot of my, surprisingly, a lot of my Supreme Court uh, briefs, because you think it's going to be simple. You just go to the OYEZ page, the, the OYEZ.org. It's the website where I typically start when I'm looking up Supreme Court cases and it's like, yeah, they even they even give you the essential question. They give you the basic facts. I'm like, is the skeleton script already there for you? Uh, but a lot of times what I end up doing is I like, um, I end up like trying to get into the minds of the Supreme Court justices. And so I'll end up like researching the justices themselves. Like, what was he thinking here? And then I'll just read a random speech that they, or a, I guess, brief that they wrote. And I don't know. It's pretty, most of it is pretty boring, I guess, but I, I read it anyway. I, I just, I'm really into it. And that's one of the things like the challenge always with those is like making it accessible because so much about law is so freaking boring. It's like a different, it's literally in some ways a different language. Oh yeah. Legalese. I, yeah. Legalese. They even call it legalese. So like, uh, th those can be challenging. It might be a three or four minute video. I'm like, Oh yeah, you just do that to get a no, because um, I'm searching far and away. Cause there's also like, it's amazing how much information is just wrong. You're just, and you even corroborate it on four different independent sites. And then I'm like halfway done with the video. And then I find out, Oh crap, literally they got the date wrong of when the incident happened that started this whole case. How, and it makes you question everything. Oh yeah. <laughs> Like, what else did I get wrong? Especially when like 90% of this stuff is something that no one would even notice or care anyway. I was going to say, that's the problem too. I think so. there's always the people that do care that one person out of a 10,000 yeah. that will get a long email from. Yeah, sure. Uh, okay. Uh, and you can jump around a lot. You don't have to stick to your original order based oh, on sure. conversations. Okay. Yeah. Well, but I'm going to go with my second question. Yeah. Why do you like maps so much? Oh, like, I, I don't like the, the traditional story. Uh, and I say this because this happened when I was like four. So maybe I'm getting some memories wrong, but like, I, I was like, um, four about to turn five and start kindergarten. Cause like my birthday is like usually like the first or second day of school. And they had the, my state, they had this thing like about like the cutoff of like whether you had to take another year of preschool or not based on your birthday. Mm -hmm. um, but so I, I was going in to kindergarten and um, uh, for whatever reason, my grandpa, who was also a history teacher until he retired when I was born, um, he, for whatever reason, just kind of gave me like a little like a kid's atlas type thing as like a gift. And uh, he, the way he explained it, like, oh, these shapes are like countries. It's like, you know, where people live, they have different languages, they have different stories and, you know, all, all this stuff. And I just thought it was, you know, really interesting. Like, oh, why is, why is this country way bigger than this country? Why does this country have that name? And, and you know, why is my country over here? And, uh it just kind of made me want to read more books about it. And like, I was also like, you know, obsessed with the presidents 
And so like, you know, when I'd read a book about the presidents, it's like, oh, this president visited that country. And then, you know, open up my atlas. Oh, there's that country. And, you know, like, just kind of like adding that context together of like, oh, maps and history and, you know. So I, I was just always just kind of uh, interested in it from a ver very young age. We were basically the same kids. We would have been like best friends, <laughs> although you're quite a bit younger than me. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I I would just stare at maps uh, growing up. I, I always bought, every year I bought the new Rand McNally Atlas, Road Atlas. Mm -hmm. And I literally on road trips, I would like write down where exactly we were and make little notes and... Oh yeah, uh, and then before trips, I would plan it all out. Like I would see exactly where we're going to be. There's something about like maps are a quick way to, um, I guess, uh, connect um, new places in our head. Where like you know, because you you can you can see a picture or even a video, and you get a sense of a place, but it does it's not the same. Like I, I feel like when I want to check out a new area, I'm getting on Google Street View. I'm or even Google Earth, and I'm just going down streets that way, or I'm doing bird's eye view. I'm doing every angle here and there. And also, I think it's related to the fact that, like, I was really into like Sim City, and I used to draw like pretend cities and draw. Oh, yeah. yeah, did you play that growing up, Sim City? I, I didn't play Sim City, but I did like draw like made up maps and stuff like that. Yeah, it's so weird. We're so dorky. No, <laughs> we are. We are. That's yeah, just, that's just the truth. Ah, well, cool. Yeah, but that's the thing. We found an audience of dorks, and uh, we've all united. And many of them are all over the world, and many of them are so fascinated by where we live, and we think our where we live is so freaking boring. And that's the thing: the exotic nature of it. Like I, I remember I made a video about my hometown and comparing to another small Midwestern college town. Uh, and it's like, there were people commenting from uh, like one guy was from Estonia, I think he and he's, I'm just, this is like, I feel like this is the real America. I'm really getting a good, I'm like, but why do you care about some like, yeah, like, Oh no, that same thing happens like with us, but with another country where like uh, sometimes like I'll, I'll read about a certain country and there'll be a certain area of that country where it's like, I, arbitrarily like this compared to the rest of this country i've never been to for some reason <laughs> you know like it i feel like i do the exact same thing yeah yeah there's brett's history club yeah dorks unite dorks okay unite. what's your second is your turn yeah yeah all right so american history question so of all the many political parties that america has had over the years which one is your favorite, like, one that doesn't exist today? Which is your favorite historical American political party to learn about? You know, Federalists, Whigs, Anti-Masonic, you can go as big or as obscure as you want, just any of those. Yeah, I think if, I mean, my first answer I would I would say is the Populist Party, although there's a new version of them nowadays, but it's not the same. Um so the Populist Party just was, uh, it's fascinating because uh, it was able to unite um, urban and rural, which throughout most, most of American history have been hard to unite. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. you had farmers who were getting screwed over by monopolies, united with uh, the labor movement, 
uh, made up of mostly immigrants, uh, working class folks in the cities. And it was truly a, like, yeah, like anti-elite um, party, which my close second is the anti-Masonic party because they were the first <laughs> like major third party. And I'm still planning on making a video about them, but they're they're a they're an interesting one because they kind of like they start off as like a you know conspiracy nut party but then they kind mm -hmm. of evolve into like a more yeah like a general anti-elite party as yeah, because i'll read something like oh john quincy adams was an anti-masonic in his 20s or something like that and it's like oh you know, yeah that's interesting they yeah. broaden their base by um toning down the conspiracy talk and just saying hey yeah we're anti-elite we are anti uh like central bank but more so than those democrats those democrats are just elites too and like uh basically all the disaffected andrew jackson supporters and in the 1830s and a lot of them actually got in uh to congress uh they had uh, several u.s representatives and a handful of senators at one point uh so yeah i think one thing that's holding me back from making that video is there's not a lot of visual opportunities you know like uh maybe i'm just gonna hire you to make some maps up and or draw some stuff for me <laughs> i don't know sure why not <laughs> all right yeah uh so speaking of third parties this is a good segue our first segue uh you know i've always been fascinated by huey long um and you like when i was just i searching on youtube about huey long i think you're you had just released your video about him and i, and I was like oh i didn't know he made because i think at the time i was like mostly used to just watching your map stuff and i watched your huey long video and it ended up being one of my favorite videos from you and i learned a lot and then it actually uh caused me to learn a lot more about him um I still have never read a book about Huey Long, but I read, I, I went down a rabbit hole online about him and it was just, wow. Like he's a complicated figure. I think he's misunderstood, but also like I'm drawn to him. Cause he, again, he's like an anti-elite, uh, somebody who was assassinated. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's always funny how that happens. It's like, Oh, yeah. he mysteriously died. Cause he was talking about taking down the elites. Um, but anyway, I, uh, Oh, here we go. We got the every man, a King comments. Whoops. Every man a king. Every man a king. Every man a king. <laughs> anyway, uh, the reason why I bring this up is my actual question is, does it frustrate you that your map videos tend to do way better than the ones that are not map videos? Because I think some of your best stuff is not your map videos. It's your actual straight up history telling. So it's funny that you mentioned that because I would, I would actually um, disagree because I'd feel like for the past like three years, uh, it seems like that my uh, non-map videos have actually on average been doing better than my oh. map videos. Because I, I think that like um, history is just a broader, you know, popular topic than maps specifically. And, you know, because like I had already done maps on world, the world wars, the American Civil War, Napoleon, and... You know, like I, I've got like over 600 of them, right? Like, you you can only do so many like really interesting ones before you're left with just the more, either the more obscure ones or you're recreating older ones that you already did that probably won't be as successful as the original anyway. And so, mm -hmm. uh, so now it, it just kind of feels like that, um, 
my map videos, um, well, I'm not going to stop them anytime soon. It, it's just, it just seems like things have just kind of evened out and I've gotten um, more and more people watching my non-map videos now. So. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I guess um, I haven't noticed the shift just because still I, I look at your channel overall and I was like, yeah, those are still the most popular videos, but yeah, I guess. And the first video you did where it wasn't a map video where you just, the first one you where you just did your voice too, where you narrate, narrated. Do you remember which one that was? Yes. And it's not there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tried to do like a, a, like a, a lecture series type thing on, it was like, uh, Europe between Napoleon and World War One, mm -hmm. and I did like 10 five-minute videos on it, but I hated the mic quality. I I was way too simplified on everything, and I did not put... Uh, I mean, I have low production on my videos to begin with, but even by my standards, I was not happy with like any of it. And so like after like a year, I just kind of like, just like, oh, I can't look at them anymore, and I got, and I got rid of them. And then I didn't try like another, like another talkie or whatever you want to call it. I didn't try like another, like, uh, like talking or lecture video until, uh, way later. And so, hmm. yeah, yeah so I, I should there. do that. I should take down some of my old videos, but I haven't. <laughs> it, it's weird. Cause like, uh, some, cause like I do remake some of my older videos a lot because there's kind of this compulsion of like, a come on, man, you can do better. And you're just leaving this this old crude misinformation video on the internet. Don't you want to change that and get rid of it and have something better? Think think about what other people might think if they see the video. You know, whatever. And that motivates me to make new videos. But uh, you know, so like I I just kind of have this compulsion of like if I remake a video, most of the time I'll get rid of like the older video just because I want I don't want people to see that video first i want them to see the the more accurate and the newer and the better video so yeah i i mean i don't have any videos that where the information i think is like that bad um i obviously make mistakes all the time <laughs> but yeah, yeah production value is the main thing and i like my marbury v madison video my first one was pretty pathetic but i redid it several years later and it's funny because i think that original one still has about the same amount of views as the new one <laughs> i was like dang oh, it yeah. yeah all right i your turn all right so uh sticking with the presidents for a bit um yes so which president and you can include either the person or the administration whichever you prefer um which one do you think is just the most boring like, is there any president where you're like, oh, I hate learning about this president. Nothing is really that interesting about them. Yeah, it seems to be Chester Arthur. That's mm -hmm. the first one that comes to mind. Like, obviously, his uh, his hair was amazing. But other than that, it's like, I think part of the problem is there's, um, and I haven't done too much digging. So maybe I, I just need to read, read the right books. But he didn't. he didn't seem to be that complicated of a person. He was smart, but he was like, uh, there's no like um, demons or anything like that. Or well, it's funny that you mentioned that because, and maybe I'm confusing him with one of the other forgotten presidents of that period. But I think like before he became president, he was like, I don't know if he was corrupt, but he was constantly accused of being corrupted. 
Yeah. And he was kind of like dedicated to be like, no, I'm not going to be that man. I'm not going to be that man. And I think that's pro- probably why his thing was so boring. Cause he like never tried to do anything like controversial or, you know, he didn't have any like corruption. No, well, he didn't have any like exceedingly corrupt scandal or anything like that. Unless I'm mixing him up with Cleveland or something. Oh, uh, you're right. Uh, he, yeah. okay. So he was associated with this, uh, I'll put him up on the screen. Is with it's like the, Tammany Hall or something. He's associated with one of like the Tammany. Yeah, well, Roscoe Conkling. Uh, mm-hmm. He, yeah, he only put his picture up. He was like uh, Roscoe Conkling is also he. May, uh, we need to make a video about him at some point. But um, you can do him. I can do Tammany or something <laughs> like that. You know? There we go. Yeah, yeah, they were both like um, famously corrupt, like political they led political machines like they were like they were like the godfathers like you yeah. you got in with them then you were good you know and uh arthur was friends with him i believe and associated with him uh and of course conkling was like screw civil service reform you know if friends help each other out you know fam- well, family well family you keep it in the family you know uh <laughs> Like uh, he really did kind of run the political politics as like a, the mob in New York with Tammany. I think Tammany and him probably were, I don't know much about their relationship, but anyway, uh, Arthur definitely by the time he was president had distanced himself from Conkling. And he was like, yeah, civil, silver, civil service reform is actually probably a good idea. You know, I think uh, yeah. we need to make sure we, so anyway, it's a boring yeah. idea, but it's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know. If you in the chat know a lot about Chester Arthur and, and I'm wrong on this, please love to hear I from do, you. Look, all I know is that at some point you're going to make a video on every single president. So we'll get yeah. there someday. Yeah. He'll probably win the last ones I cover. Mr. Terry's here. Yo! What's up, Mr. Terry? Love that dude. Oh, I need to have him on here too. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're going to, I will, thanks for the suggestion in the super chat, but we'll take more questions at the end here. Teapot dome has been on my list for a long time. Classic. Long time. Yeah. All right. My next question. Uh, Hmm. Yeah. Let's just keep the order going in an apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> which skills do you currently possess that would save you where people would be like, oh, this guy, let's keep him around because he has these skills. Knowledge of life in the before times. <laughs> we, need to, we need to keep some sort of historical elder that can keep the memory of the human race alive. It's story. Yeah, I, that'd be it. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not very good at like anything sporty or athletic, uh, obviously. Uh, I, so I would not be able to like, you know, outrun or outfight or anything like that i've never like you know uh constructed anything so i can't like you know build some sort of fortress or something like that i don't like possess any like like you know uh oh i here's a tank that i got from ebay or something like like i don't i don't have anything so i feel like other than like oh i could like maybe like you know i could be like a a, a scribe or whatever, like post-apocalyptic equivalent that would be. Um, yeah, I, I think that'd be it. I, otherwise, I think I'd be screwed, honestly. Yeah, I always think about. Have you watched all of uh, Game of Thrones? No. Okay, I'm. I'm st- finally 
about finished watching that series. But yeah, like uh, there's so much like uh, Game of Thrones. Basically, if you watch that, you have a much better understanding of history, but also the future and the present, because like it, I know it's all supposed to be like the fantasy, but it so much of it explains our society, you know. Uh, but anyway, yeah, like I think related to that, I know the ones in that show that survive the longest are the the smartest, the ones who uh, have the knowledge, you know, they're able to remember the ways. But I think a lot of, of what kind of they also are smart enough to know, like, hey, um, I, what can I do? What kind of uh, profession can I do that keeps me out of combat or danger? Um, yeah. And so but I feel like if there was an apocalypse, like I'm always thinking of the walking dead, you know, zombie apocalypse or something like that. The ones who had knowledge in that show that survived were typically it's medical knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, like they can literally save lives. Um, not much else. I mean, like, I don't know if there's that much value because a lot of them are like, well, who cares that you remember history here? Like we, we care that you remember like how to build stuff. Like you, you know the blueprints to create, but we don't care that you remember these wars and remember these movements or whatever. I don't know. Do you, do you agree with that? I, yeah, honestly, it makes sense. That's why, like, it's like that's the only thing I could remotely think of. <laughs> like, I suppose if it was a situation where, like, it wasn't just me versus the apocalypse, but it was like you know some sort of like group of like ten to fifty people, then maybe yeah. I'd be able to adapt and find some sort of non-combat role. I like think you need to give yourself more credit because you know maps, you know where places are, you know where to, like you were, you would know where to get resources. That's true, but I feel like at the same time, all right, guys, we need more oil. Let's go to the Middle East. Like, uh, like, you know, I, I can't imagine an apocalypse that they don't need you know, to go to the Middle East. You come to Southeast Kansas, <laughs> or South Central Kansas. Yeah, There's oil on the true. ground, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, like yeah. It, it only takes you so far. Yeah. All right. Enough about the apocalypse. What you got? All right. Now for a fun question. So rank the following uh, pizza chains from best to worst. Okay. Pa Papa John's, Domino's, Pizza Hut, Little Caesars, and then generic frozen oven pizza that you get at Walmart. Oh, those are all my choices. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, if, no, if I picked a local place, that would just automatically win. So that's no fun. Oh, okay. So these are cha national chains, maybe yeah. even world chains for those of you. Marcos Pizza. We got some pizza fans in yeah, here. You yeah, can, you can add Marcos if you've ever been there. Never been there. Yeah. Uh, but Emperor Tiger Star and I, I think we agree that pizza is superior to all other foods. Correct. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. Thank goodness. Can't go wrong with it. Yeah. They. Um, so. I'm not a fan of, of really any of those, but um, Little Caesars, at least they're cheap. Um, okay, what, you said Domino's, Little Caesars, uh, Pizza Hut? And uh, Papa John's and generic frozen oven pizza. Okay. Uh, honestly, mostly generic frozen oven pizza would beat all of those. That's fair. Okay, and then it's, next... It's got a vibe to it. I mean, my daughters would disagree with that, but uh, <laughs> so second would be Little Caesars for two reasons. One, they they're uh, cheaper than all the other ones, uh, but also they have finally released their Detroit style pizza, which I'm a big fan of Detroit style pizza. 
Oh, um, I have that. Apparently, Pizza Hut has two of those, so I can't really. But I don't like Pizza Hut, um, so they're probably at the bottom. Pizza Hut's at the bottom for me. Um, okay, yeah, you know, uh, even though it started in my hometown, uh, well, it started in Wichita. I um, I grew up just outside of Wichita. Oh, really? Anyway, uh, yeah. So frozen pizza, Little Caesars. Second, third would be Papa John's. Papa's in the house. Uh, I do like the sauce, the the, the crust for dipping. So fourth would be Domino's. Fifth would be Pizza Hut. That's yeah. what I'm going with. As long what as about, you, what about you. Oh, I. So growing up, I would have said uh, Papa John's would have been the best, but I, I, and I don't know if it's just me getting older, but like it, it definitely does kind of feel like that. Like oh, like uh, it's some. It's not quite the same as I remember as a kid. So I would actually say that like uh, in terms of just the pizza, Domino's would barely edge it out for me now. Mm. Then Papa John's. Then Little Caesar, then frozen oven pizza, and then Pizza Hut's last. Screw oh, you, Pizza Hut! I have never had a good experience with Pizza Hut. I do not like the sauce from Pizza Hut. Uh, like I, I don't know if you know who um, uh, the YouTuber uh, Moist Critical is. Yes. Yeah, he he did like a tier list on like pizza places, and he said this thing where like he ordered Pizza Hut, and he said like, oh. They forgot the sauce on this part of the pizza, and that actually makes it taste better, because now it's because now it's just cheese bread. And I'm like, yeah, like I, I've always, I've always felt like the exact same way. So like, yeah, like, so even even if it's like, oh gosh, all the other pizza places are closed. Well, I guess I'll just get I guess I'll just get McDonald's instead. I Pizza Hut yeah. isn't worth it. It's know? all fake food. It's all processed so much. I mean. Yeah. Uh, what was that that place you took me to when we met up that one time? What was the <gasps> local place? You that remember? was, um, gosh, it's been so long because they they closed down, unfortunately. Oh, they uh, Turbo Fire Pizza. Oh. They 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 actually have um, it's a family business, so they had one location where I lived, and then they had another location. It was actually Springfield, Illinois. So if you go there, you can find one, but. Uh, yeah, the one where I lived closed down because uh, it was a one of the many victims of the pandemic closing everything down. And mm -hmm. uh, the guy who owned it tried to um, use a food truck, but he said that like the the costs of like operating a food truck compared to renting out a building were unexpectedly different, and so he wasn't able to keep it up. And now he only does like. Uh, pizza for like special catering but yeah I, i'm disappointed too you must I, had a, I had a punch card that was, <laughs> that was ready to go for a free pizza and then i, I went there and it was closed i was so sad oh. uh, yeah so sad you know a lot about it so i, I can tell you're a fan <laughs> yeah so now my favorite local pizza place is um it's a it's a new york pizza place and the people are actually from new york so Oh, nice. I, I yeah. Can, I can say that it's at least, you know, somewhat legitimate. Although I've heard some people argue if it's not New York sewer water, it doesn't count <laughs> for making the dough. So, yeah, here in Lawrence, we have a place, uh, lots of places, but Rudy's is my favorite. And then there's a, there's Morningstar Pizza. There's a, I mean, all the local places tend to be better. Yeah. Like, uh, although yeah. there's a chain called Toppers that's pretty solid as well. It's, it's based, I think it started in Wisconsin. They probably don't have toppers down there in, in the no no southeastern Missouri. Yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, yeah. 
a lot of the chat's really passionate about this. I'd love to see it, but uh, yeah, for like sure. Corey really New Haven style pizza. Never had that. Can't say I've had it. Oh, and I will say, as much as I love the, oh, can you hear my heater? Uh, slightly. Okay, I hope it's not too bad. Um, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, as much as I love St. Louis, St. Louis style pizza sucks. Uh, it's so disappointing. <laughs> Emos. I. I'm sorry, Emos. I know you've got a lot of history, but I don't want a cracker with ketchup on it. I want pizza. Like, yeah, uh, I agree with you. It's overrated. So sad. <laughs> All right, Chicago, you win this one. I always like, yeah, Detroit style might be my favorite now. Chicago style second for me than New York, but yeah. All right. Uh, moving from pizza to music, which I know um, perfect. you and I are very passionate about music. Uh you're my first guest, I think, to be passionate about music. Everyone else is like, oh, whatever, take it or leave it. Like, what the heck? I don't understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the first person you meet who's like, I don't like music. How do you function? I mean, like, like I, I, I don't yeah. understand it. Like, yeah. But anyway, uh, I guess this is a very broad question, but what has influenced your musical tastes your whole life? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm basically a boomer when it comes to, <laughs> you know, like I, I, you know, parents and my grandparents playing classic rock. Although I guess like, you know, of course my, uh, like my family had like a giant shared CD collection that we would use. So like my grandpa, the same one who gave me that, that Atlas, he had like, you know, a thousand CDs and like my dad had like another like 500 or so. And, you know, I, you know, living with my dad and like visiting my grandpa almost like once a week growing up, it was easy for me to have access to so many uh, bands and artists between Elvis and 1999, you know. So, of course, my grandpa would have all the 50s, 60s and 70s stuff and my dad would have all the 70s, 80s and, you know, early 90s stuff. And so uh, just if it had an electric guitar in it, I probably liked it. You know, in most cases. And so that's you know, just the music I liked. Um, in terms of like uh, modern groups, I the first one that I cared about was uh, Linkin Park because uh, I was like four when Hybrid Theory came out. And, you know, I heard like, yeah, <laughs> I, I heard, I heard uh, in the end on the radio, just like everyone else. And it's like, dad, 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 you got to get this CD because I don't have any money because I'm four. And yeah, like, yeah. we were we were in like a like a gas station convenience store and they just so happened to have like a little thing at the counter with like, oh, here's some CDs you can buy. And that happened to be there. And he's like, all right. You know, and, and he bought the CD. And we listened to it on a road trip and I just thought it was so cool. Um, you know, a lot of those early 2000s bands like Three Doors Down, uh, System of a Down, uh, Nickelback, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, a, a lot of those bands I liked. And um, yeah, that was definitely like the main crux of what I've listened to. But uh, as I've gotten older, um, I really like blues music now. Um, I developed more as a metalhead. I um, I really deep dove into like prog rock and stuff like that, and mm -hmm. you know, so so 
still anything with a guitar in it, I like it. You know, but it, but now it's kind of outside of the generic boomer rock radio station. Yeah, sounds like hard rock in particular, and all oh, the yeah. subgenres. Yeah, yeah. I always love a good uh, electric guitar distortion. Um, like, I feel like my uh, influences were weird because my parents were not that into music, really. Kind of, you know. Not, but uh, they liked really mainstream stuff. You know, mm-hmm. like they would like Michael Jackson, the Eagles, like we're talking way mainstream household name stuff. You know, it's not like they were eager to discover obscure music and or anything. And so like, uh, I remember liking John Denver when I was young, younger, like when I was, uh, probably eight or nine and like, Oh yeah. Cause also I love the mountains. And so I always associated with the mountains, (laughs) but then like, of course, middle school, you go through the phase of like listening to pop radio and then as a 90s kid. Um, and that was my gateway. Here's the thing about the 1990s that a lot of people don't realize is like it was um, the only time when really weird music was mainstream, like uh, where record labels were more adventurous than ever. This is also before the conglomeration took effect in the mid 90s. Uh, there was legislation actually signed by Bill Clinton uh, that made it easier for media companies to um, form conglomerates. And so you all of a sudden in the late nineties, you saw all these um, bigger record labels buying up smaller record labels. And this trend has continued all the way to the present where now essentially there's only like five or six media companies that control everything. Um, and I think that this, this kind of explains why today it's lower, lowest common denominator stuff gets typically played in the mainstream, you know, stuff that's safe. Yeah. But the 90s, like something about that time, like you'd have a band like Butthole Surfers. I always bring up Butthole Surfers. Um, they had a song called Pepper. It came out in 1995, I believe. Or Yeah, it was 95. Not, no, 96 is when it was This hit. kid died in a car crash last night. And then da 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 Yeah, yeah. It was such a weird song. And yet it was like no, almost number one on the charts on pop radio. It was an alternative rock song that kind of crossed over. They, they had been around for many years and they were around many years after that. But so that was kind of my, I was like, well, that's such a weird song. What else is weird? And so I went down this path. And by the time I was in college in the early um, aughts, uh, which is when you were really getting into Lincoln Park and, uh, you know, probably three doors down. Um, that was, I like that stuff too. Don't get me wrong. Uh-huh. I was a big Lincoln Park fan. Um, but I also got really into obscure independent music. We call it college radio. Um, College radio, indie, alternative, underground. Yeah. Well, this was before indie became like more sanitized as well, because by the, by the late aughts, essentially indie was just like a throw all label for any band that wasn't on pop radio. Do you sound like the killers and or Arctic monkeys? Well, you're indie close enough. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, anyway, the, because of my, like, just endless quest to, like, find, like, obscure music that I thought was good, I ended up with quite a collection myself. Plus, I was a DJ, so I got all this free music over the years, and I had, like, over a thousand CDs as well. I ended up getting rid of most of it, but I still have, like, 40,000 songs in my personal collection, and a lot of them I have never listened to because it's just too much, right? But it's good to have. It's good to have, and you know, sometimes we'll put it, the whole thing on shuffle. And I just like, 
it's such a joy to find something brand new. Uh, like there's this band called say hi. It used to be called say hi to your mom, but they're, um, and they released this album. Um, and I think it was 2009 or something. And I just discovered it. And it's only because I had my entire, um, collection on shuffle. I'm like, Oh, how did I miss this? Like, and, uh, it's just, it holds up really well. Like if you listen to music from 2009, it sounds like it was released in 2022. It really does music. It's we've reached a point now where the production level is high enough where you can't even tell the difference. Like, Except uh, with, uh, I would say that like hip hop and most pop music, you can still tell the difference. Like, I don't yeah, know what it was. Right about hip hop. Yeah. Like, like hip hop was like, um, it was like when they were first moving over from like sampling old records and adding beats over that to um, like pure digital beats and, and, and stuff uh, like that. Auto tune like and, and the auto tune and... stuff like that. So like, there sometimes I'll listen to like something from like, uh, I don't know, like, like Wiz Khalifa's Black and Yellow or something like that. Like something from that time where when I hear the production, it's like, oh, it doesn't have the rumbly bass. It sounds cheaper, you know? Like yeah. at, the, at the time it was like, you know, whoa, this is, you know, the, the I, hot sound. But now like that's definitely aged, but yeah. I agree. Between 2010, like the 2010s, basically, there was an, a, a new golden age, I think, of hip hop. And you saw like, it got so much better because the odds overall the ops odds for rap music was kind of mediocre. I think I, I was, I, I was kind of like, uh, if you can divide the odds in half, because I like my thing with hip hop is I loved, of course, rap metal, like Lincoln Park and stuff like that. But in terms right. of like actual hip hop, like I liked a lot of the like original and nineties hip hop. I like the boom bap type of beats mm. over 808s and like around like the mid 2000s when like outcast broke up which oh that was so devastating for eight-year-old me uh because outcast <laughs> was the coolest rap group I ever outcast so yeah much. yeah and, yeah and they were just getting so creative too um you know they they broke up and then like there was that remember those few years where like it was like ringtone rap that was really popular where like the beat would be so simple and repeatable and digital enough that it was great for like a repeatable 10 second ringtone. Yeah. That's when people bought those. So like uh do the left it do the left it <laughs> You know, like and that's the entire song, like over and over and over again. Yeah. This is why I'm hot. This is this is why I'm hot. Uh you know, like there were uh lean back lean back like there, there were so many of that's those. what i'm talking about that was a not a, that was a dark time yeah so there was so there were like from around like 2005 ish uh all the way through like 2012 yeah it was probably my least favorite year of hip-hop i agree with you yep. yeah because like and then like after the ringtone rap there came like the, the club the bling rap or like you know with the, the loud synths the loud horns and you know just if it had little wayne in it somewhere and I, I hated all that. I, I also, um, I was in middle school when the Black Eyed Peas uh, came out with uh, uh, Boom Boom Pow and uh, I Got a Feeling. Mm-hmm. The two songs that were the most overplayed songs. I Got a Feeling. Of, yeah, I still like have like I, a really negative reaction when I hear that song. Yes, I am I'm like, I legitimately get like 
like a trigger from it. Like every time <laughs> like, turn it off. Cause like, cause like there's something about like middle school where like, if you hate a song in middle school, early high school, odds are you're probably going to hate it forever. Cause it's just <laughs> right in those years, those most formative like music years where, you know, like, I, I cannot listen to anything from that era now. And then like, you know, Kendrick Lamar came out. Um, yeah. And there, there seemed to be like a new, I feel like, um, we're kind of now in a much better era for hip hop. I agree. Even if not all the mainstream stuff, it's still, I feel like a lot better. Uh, Corey's still with us here. Give him the super chats. He, uh, he says, uh, I imagine y'all love, th- they might be giants then. And it's funny because my own band electric needle room often gets compared to, they might be giants, even though I never really listened to them that much growing up. So, but they are, you got to love them. I, are, are you familiar with, they might be giants. I, I've never like listened to like a like an album from them, but I had enough people in my life who like, oh, I'm a I'm a fan of They Might Be Giants, and they would play a song or two, so like I'm familiar with uh, like the song is a da 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 song. I'm familiar with Istanbul, not Constantinople, and James like, Polk. Yeah, and like uh, if you remember the car- the cartoon Tiny Tunes. Yep. They, even, they even had like a Tiny Toons episode that was just like a, a music video for Istanbul, not Constantinople, that I remember they played a lot on like Nickelodeon back in the day or whatever. And so, you know, they're they're one of those groups where like I was always familiar with them and they were always there. But I, I'm like, I'm, it's a little too silly. I'm not going to like, you know, go out of my way to invest in their like discography but like oh they're they're geniuses though i i like i, I don't hate them it's just like, acquired you know, taste for sure yeah. though yeah speaking uh, of weird, speaking of weird stuff yeah. real quick because i almost I don't consider this one of the questions but like since you were a teacher though uh for whatever reason when i grew up a lot of my teachers they would towards the end of the year they would play that one of those weird songs from the 90s it was when that guy who took that uh, that Boz Lerman graduation speech wear yeah. sunscreen. Yes, and you know they had a over it, and yeah. for whatever reason, growing up, there was like a, a like a one in three chance of like one of the teachers being like, and as you move on to your almost adult lives of a year older, here's some parting advice with a sick beat, and they would put that on. And so, like, I heard that that song so many times. I feel like I've memorized the entire thing. I'm so sorry point. you had to go through that. That's really cringy. Yeah. So, so, so I wonder, like, did did, did you ever like play that song for your class? Because, like, heck, I, no, okay. no. Who you think I am? No, I, 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 what I, I did. What? I always played music when they walked in, but it was always a song that was related to whatever we would be learning about. Yeah. So it was, um, like, say we learn about. Uh, well, like, oh gosh, and I'm gonna blank, but I mean, the 60s were easy, right? Just play oh, a, a Vietnam, like a Vietnam protest song when they walk in, like CCR. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I always, that. yeah, like that, that. Uh, actually, there was a study done showing that students are more willing to learn and they're more, uh, they just come in like with a more a clearer mindset if you play music as they walk in the classroom. So that's something that early on, I, I, yeah, it was really important to me to do that. Plus, I, you know, I want to rock out too. So <laughs> for the real next question though, okay. Um, going uh, back to the presidents briefly, or actually, you know what? I'll switch it up because just to stay on music, 
So on your other channel, The Beat Goes On, yes. where you've talked about several bands, have you, like, after making a video for one of the bands, gotten into the band more after making them compared to before? Actually, yeah. Like, um, you could say that about um, maybe all of them I, to a certain degree. Like, yeah. I remember uh, the Supremes is a, is a group that I wasn't, I was like, you know, they're good, but I ended up listening to the Supremes like on repeat when I was doing dishes for two or three weeks to a point where when I did that, when Spotify did that end of the year playlist, your, your number one uh, artist of the year was the Supremes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all because like it all started because I was researching them for my video. But recently, yeah, Black Sabbath, I didn't realize how, like in my opinion, Black Sabbath uh, is far superior to um, Deep Purple or even Led Zeppelin. I, like I, I just found like, um, yeah, like I don't know about Led Zeppelin, but like Deep Purple, yeah, like it, to me, like who invented heavy metal? Like Black Sabbath. I mean, in terms yeah. of like, you know, like because it seems like you know, oh, they did a, a normal metal song, they did a doom metal song, they did like a, a black metal song. Like it, you can just hear like so many origins, and they have a lot more like uh like they're also like a very catchy metal band too yeah i feel like they just they had a broader influence over every genre like whereas i think it was more of a i mean led zeppelin too i think the reason why i am more harsh on them is because they kind of ripped off some blues bands when they started out you know so i i give them a little bit of a pass for that because i think that like um and this is something that like I've, I've noticed like the more I've gotten into blues is like blues music culture has always been more about like the the mess like your story the message of the song Same more than like more yeah. than like trying to be original you know so like there's a reason why you hear da 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 like there's a reason why you hear that in so many blues songs because it's not the point and uh and and I think that like the 60s there was something about that time where like you know music copyright is kind of just now starting to like you know take itself seriously and set up like rules on like you know covers and stuff like that and i think led zeppelin was kind of right in that window where they're like well of course we're gonna do our rendition of this blues song like we love this song because like if you think about it like uh like the the crooner singers like frank sinatra bing crosby yep like they sure sometimes they would write their own stuff, but it was it was often more about like, oh, I want I like your voice and I want you to do this classic song rather than I want you to do your own songs. That that was like the more like it honestly, like kind of like up to the Beatles. It took like like because like the Beatles were kind of like the first group to kind of like go, yeah, we'll do that at first, but now we're gonna kind of like start focusing on like writing our own songs, and that's when you have the great folk. Uh Spring where Simon and Garfunkel doing the same thing. And that's kind of when yeah. like it was starting to turn. And so like in my mind, I just think that like Led Zeppelin probably wasn't like intentionally going like, ah, ha, ha, we'll take this obscure blues song and we'll, <laughs> you know, make it ours. Cause I think they were just thinking like, well, this is what so many other blues artists do. We're not doing anything different. And, yeah. You could say yeah. the same thing about folk and rock and roll as well. Yeah, so like, you make absolutely. really good points. Yeah, we should be forgiving of because uh, we always think about it in the, in the mindset of uh, later on. Yeah. And now it's like too. also 
so many um bands will be like oh they ripped them off like this melody was the same coldplay ripped off uh uh fire uh what's his name this indie pop dude from brooklyn uh oh uh five for fighting is that what you're about to say no um, uh I forgot the name of his group, but anyway, like there was this, that's one example of the melodies very similar, but at the same time, like, you know, a lot of times it's just accidental, you know, you don't realize it's accidental. I mean, now we're just like flat out sampling older songs anyway, and no one really even cares about that anymore, which I I still occasionally get upset about that, but (laughs) that's because I'm, I'm old in my mind. (laughs) Trust me, you're not old. (laughs) I I remember this one time there was like a it was a pitbull song that he did with uh Christina Aguilera and uh like the drop would go, I don't wanna miss this moment. Da 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 and I remember I heard that I'm like, that's take on me. But like no one my age knew that song yet because 80s nostalgia wasn't back in yet. And so like they're everyone's like, oh, this is like this is such a cool melody. And I'm like, yeah, you fools, you know not, you're being deceived. This is you know, I want to give a shout out to a channel, uh, because you would you'd probably like this channel. So while before I forget, um he does this really well. Like he'll he has a his name is Pat Fennerty. Have you heard of him? Uh, you know, I th- I think I've seen his thumbnails before, but I haven't watched him. Yeah, he he does a uh, a series. His his probably most popular series is what makes this song uh, stink, and uh, you know he's picked on Nickelback before too, of course. Oh, but even, you know, like I... peppers, and oh yeah, like Don- Danny California, he did a whole like, and these are long, like forty minute long video about why Danny. California I did see one of his such a uh, yeah mediocre song. And but yeah, he does it every time. He'll just whip out like he'll play three or four songs that are like it's the same hook. A lot of times they're borrowing the same melody. Like that song sounds like five other songs. And uh, but you you really like this channel. You should check it yeah, out. Everybody I, check it out. I did actually see one of his because I he always likes to pick on Rick Beato. Poor see? guy. Honeycomb, Laura. Yeah, because uh, like I, I saw one of his videos because he was like saying Uh-oh. something about like last your audio. Emperor Tiger oh. Star, we lost your audio. Uh, can you hear me now? No, we still can't hear you. Hmm. Uh-oh. Um, Hold on. Great. Glad to hear it. Testing. Oh, there we go. Okay. Yeah, I was saying um, I did see one of his videos before because he kind of likes to pick on Rick Beato a lot. Poor guy. And yep, so- yep. I'm a fan of Rick Beato, so I remember seeing him like, oh, that's mean. And then I just like didn't watch any more of his stuff, but you know. It's so funny. Beato is like one letter removed from my name as well. Yeah. I like I like his stuff. Okay. Uh I have another music related question for you. So this is great. Go for it. Uh you make your own music. Yeah. Like, that's you, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay, because like I didn't even know this until recently because I knew that you did. Um, I mean, I know you do covers, um, but like you have original. I, what I, I, I have sort of done like covers, but like the thing is about my music channel is most of it is like me fiddling around with GarageBand on my iPhone. And so like there is a lot of stuff on there where I listen to it. I'm like, 
this is garbage. I, I know, oh. every, I know every artist says that, but like, you know, uh, so like a lot of like my covers were like, oh, what if I recreated like Poker Face with MIDI guitars on my GarageBand app? And then I listen to it now. I'm like, oh, I would never listen to this if like this was like on a CD or something, but it was just me fiddling around having fun. Um, I do, I have been like making my own stuff more recently. And I think I've gotten a lot better, but uh, the the ones that are covers, no. I think I think those are easily my worst. Well, I, you have know. an original song um, that I really enjoyed. Um, oh, on your yeah, like uh, it was. I don't remember the name of it here. Let me see if I can find it real quick. But uh, yeah, actually, that was my question: is how do you make your music and like? Because uh, I know, like, I didn't even know. I mean, you, you play, do you have much, did you take piano lessons as a kid or? Well, I, the, the one instrument that like I um, ever took lessons for and that like I really dedicated time to was the drums. But, oh. I, but ironically, I don't do that on, on the great majority of my songs on there just because I, I'm in an apartment. And so like I had to get like electric drums and, uh, Oh yeah, that one. Yeah, this is great. It's a great song. Yeah, that's where I'm just like, ah, this. Literally, one day I was just like, I'm just gonna take some computer startup noises and see if I can make a beat with it. It's awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. I, actually, I was gonna ask you if I could use this for one of my videos. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, check it out, everyone. ETS music and I like. Yeah. Uh, you got some nice comments down there too, and yeah, a lot I just people think seem to keep... like that one. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyway, I, I, I mean, my audience already mostly knows that I, uh, kind of before the first YouTube channel I started was my band, uh, electric needle room. It was just, my brother and I started the band in 2005. We were in another band together before that. Um, we both took piano lessons growing up and my brother took drum lessons and he was in jazz band and all that. And, he, and so he played percussion mostly. And I played trumpet uh, so trumpet, I, I, I break out that still sometimes, including on the Donald Trump song, um, but, uh, guitar and keys and sing and all this. And, uh, yeah. you know, I've, uh, it's cool because over the years making videos, I mean, in more recent years, I've used a lot of my music as background music as well, but it's weird. I haven't had time lately to do it and I, I do miss it a lot. And like, I feel like it's a different way to, uh, be creative that's kind of hard to for those who have never done it like that few, fewer things are more satisfying to me than make creating a song you know oh yeah i most of my videos i just use a kevin mcleod track just like <laughs> most youtubers but like every once in a while i'll make a song for my videos i'm usually happy about that but now like uh in terms of actual instruments like i i technically like you know learned how to play the drums or whatever Although I, I got rusty since I moved into an apartment, and because like electric drums are just not the same as an actual drum kit in so many ways, it kind of throws you off. But yeah, I, I my brother and I, my, yeah. when we play live, he would often play with electric kit. I I um because like I have like a uh, electric guitar, acoustic guitar, a mandolin, and a bass guitar. But like I kind of do this thing where like I I do the worst way to learn how to play an instrument by not actually learning how to play the instrument, but 
mastering whatever riff I need to do for what I'm thinking of at the moment. And then as soon as I record it, just put it away. You know, yeah. like a like a like a like a jack of all trades, master of none type thing. So like, you know, some some of my songs, like like, oh, I want to use a guitar riff for it. And the MIDI guitars suck because it sounds so fake. And so I'll try if it's simple enough, I'll try to see like spend a week just learning like one riff, see if I could record it. Um every every once in a while I'll be like da 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 oh hey that's cool anyway you know, your calluses, though yeah I, I just I just don't have the um time compared to like as a kid to like dedicate hours and hours and hours and hours into practicing and so I it just kind of evolved into like a jack of all trades thing. So like most of the music on my channel is like uh something that like you could use on like garage band like on my uh, iphone and ipad yeah um and uh you know so like a lot of synths they've got plenty of drums that sound realistic or electronic enough mm-hmm. they've got all the instruments on there everything but the guitars the guitars still sound fake but just about everything else works fine and so it's almost like well as much as i would love to have the skill and the resources to like make like a grunge album or something like that because i would love to like you know make something like that but i just don't have the studio a studio space for that i don't have the skill to to like uh do something that complicated and so my studio (laughs) well but you know what i mean like uh, because like i i i don't want to say like audiophile in the sense of like like i'm a snob but like uh there is kind of this thing where like oh i want it to sound a certain way and if it sounds like too cheap enough it like bothers me in many a lot cases. of that mixing and mastering i found like uh, mixing is something i it took me years to get the hang of that yeah that that is one thing i've gotten better on is now i'll make the i'll kind of like do like a a 70s 80s style of like mixing where i'll make the individual tapes the individual like uh, instruments on GarageBand, and I'll send them all as wave files, and then I'll open something like Audacity and treat them like tapes. Where it's like, oh, this goes in the left ear, this goes in the right ear, this right. one goes to a lot of like the the seventies, eighties tips for mixing. Oh, you got to reverb the drums, but never reverb the bass, and the bass has always got to be straight. You know, like the oh. You know what I mean? Like the, yeah, the very, I the reverb very, bass yeah. sometimes, often. <laughs> I mean, you can, but you know, it's just like it was just what was standard at the time, and it's, it probably just that that's like the era of music I listened to so much that, like, to me, it just sounds like, oh, this is great, even if like by modern standards, it's outdated. And so, uh, definitely, mixing has made uh, some of my music sound a lot better. But uh, you know, my musical channel at this point is just well the creative juices have got to go somewhere. Yeah. So it's an outlet, but I would love someday to have the money to just actually like make a, um, a more like serious high, high quality production album, but maybe someday. Yeah. Well, you, me, uh, cynical historian vlogging through history and Mr. Betts, uh, all AKA drawn of history. All of us are musicians. And, uh, I just, kind of half joking say hey we should start a band you know make oh that make would end, songs that would end so badly because we would all have different directions like we <laughs> uh we because because like cypher's more punk 
I would want to do something like either grungy or metal E and then I'm more emo. <laughs> well, okay, we can compromise with Weezer. We we can we go. Emo. Weezer's my second favorite band of all time. You know, you kiddos think that emo started with My Chemical Romance, but Weezer was yeah. one of the original Pinkerton, emo baby. Pinkerton yeah. is the original emo. Blue, album. Album. Uh, Blue album's better, in my opinion. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, that's always the debate, but no. <laughs> all right. Well, cool. I think you answered my question and then some. So thank you for yeah. that answer. Yeah. Your turn. All right. <laughs> so now back to the presidents. Um, so, You've been doing this channel for a while and, you know, whenever you make a video on a president or whatever, you go more into depth, you learn just like anyone else does. Like, has any, like, which president has your opinion, like, positively or negatively? Which president have you changed your opinion on the most, like, since you started doing this? Whether you think, oh, wow, they're a lot better than I thought or, oh, they're a lot worse than I thought or, you know. Uh because I feel like I, I've noticed your opinions on a few presidents kind of change. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Multiple. Um, I mean, I guess we'll just say, cause I still, I've only actually made four videos um, on presidents, like full length biographies. So uh, recently, uh, or was it five? I'm sorry, five <laughs> Dwight, Dwight Eisenhower, um, Herbert Hoover, George Washington, Franklin Pierce, and James Polk. Those are the the five videos I've done like a full length, um, and none of that, none of those really surprised me too much. However, my opinion has changed about Warren Harding. Hmm. Um, yeah, Warren Harding was, if folks remember, he was the worst president in American history according to my worst ten list, and now he's not. I would say he's still one of the worst. I would still place him probably in the worst five or six. But he's gone up because I started uh, learning more about him. And I also I got to thank a lot of viewers that reached out. Like I got lengthy emails, you know, and comments under vi videos and said, hey, you should check this this speech out that he gave and uh, or this uh, article, whatever it was. And yeah, so I, I haven't read any full length books about him um, ever. So that's another thing. Like, I think I need to do that before I that's the thing, like. You can't possibly have a deep knowledge of all 44 presidents, you know, uh, or was We're it not Pope David Pope? McCullough? Yeah, I know. We're not all David McCullough. Yeah. So I, uh, I admit that I, I know a lot more about Harry Truman and I know a lot more about Eisenhower and I know a lot more about Teddy Roosevelt. So that clearly I'm going to favor because like, uh, if you know more about them, Obviously, you're aware of their faults, but you you kind of downplay their faults because you ad admire the things. And then also, they're, like, because they're human, it's it's like you almost like like, well, who would do better, right? You know, you right. can make out something like objectively what they did was good or bad, but then you realize, well, I mean, you know, it's like, well, you know, if you're going to be president, you're probably going to like do something horrible, even if unintentionally, just by the significance of your job, you know? Yeah, yeah I mean, well, and then the other thing is it's it's similar to meeting a new person um mm -hmm. you know they're a stranger at first then you first meet them cautiously like i don't know if i can trust this person or not and then maybe your first few encounters with that person are really negative so like i don't like that person but then you get trapped on an elevator with them and you talk to them for like 10 hours and you learn about all of their uh you know trials and tribulations and all of a sudden like okay i kind of see where they're coming from i know why they are the way they are and okay i guess i can be your friend like some of my um, best friends in life um, are kind of jerks. 
Like they, they, uh, like if you just meet them and you, like you don't know them, they will rub you the wrong way. And that's because the people that, you know, that they, that socially, they, they don't have the skills there, but also like they're an acquired taste, you know? And I feel, I feel like, like we all have those friends like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so the same thing with presidents or anyone, anyone you're studying in history. Yeah. You, uh, now, obviously, we all know what Kanye West said recently about Hitler. He had endearing qualities. Now, but uh, I would be careful to talk about uh, ruthless dictators responsible for genocides. Um, it, oh, yeah. Like, it, I'd rather just simplify our perception there, of them. There's a limit to what you can overlook. Exactly. Like, yeah. that well put. Uh, and so... But otherwise, like a lot of presidents get blamed for stuff, I think that's beyond their control because they're not dictators and they're not uh, micromanaging everything. Like Eisenhower, I think um, I can, I feel comfortable kind of um, accepting the fact that he made mistakes in oversight over the coups that he was, that happened under his administration. Like, I oh, think yeah. he didn't really fully know the full extent or implications of what he was doing and uh, it, we're now at hindsight's 2020. It's obvious now that like the, in the Nicaragua or I'm sorry, it was Guatemala for him. Uh, Guatemala, there's been so many coups. I get them all mixed up. Uh, you know, Iran. And it's like, yeah, big mistake there. But even at the time you learned that he kind of knew what was going on. He kind of knew, but oh, there were people underneath him that were kind of really running the show. Like, so that's uh, another consideration. The, pe the people in charge are easy to blame. Like right now, the um, uh, <laughs> the anti-vaxxers are all, they think Fauci is like the most evil person in the world and that he has like control over everyone living or dying or something. Like he's just one person, you know? Yeah, it, <laughs> it really is true that like people don't really like understand like how little... The president truly controls like even like when you think like oh well the executive branch is in charge of these things but then like well those are still relegated or delegated to other people in the cabinet yeah you know like he can like influence them and he can tell them but it's so easy for like a cabinet member to like do something on their own and mess something up exactly and the president would get blamed for it because it's the executive branch you know the buck stops here it's interesting though how uh when Obama was president, uh, plenty more people blamed Hillary Clinton uh, over Benghazi than they blamed him, didn't they? They didn't blame Obama. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I remember that like ever since like Obama, it's just like I'm I'm sure it's not true, and like you you may think differently just because like I, I'm way younger, but like in my experience, I remember that like Obama felt like the first president where the things they would blame him over felt a little silly sometimes, you know, not that like, you know, they, he didn't have his faults and imperfections, but like, right. There's something about Bush where like his faults are like, okay, Iraq, that's like, you know, a material thing that like, you know, you could, you know, blame him for. And like, you know, it makes sense. But then like Obama's like, he wore a tan suit on Easter. <laughs> He's the antichrist now. And, uh, you know, every single American soldier that died is his fault. And, you know, all that, all, all that sort of thing. And, you know, obviously same with Trump, same with Biden. It's, it, you know, so I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess Clinton had a little bit of that too, but like, I don't really remember Clinton as well since I was born in 96, but 
Um, well, so much about being a president is you're just the spokesperson. You're just the one who's meant to inspire and uh, kind of diplomacy really is like the main thing they do. Like that's why they travel the world and they're constantly just shaking hands and meeting people. And like how substantial are these talks? Like when uh, uh, Macron, Macron, uh, wasn't he in town uh, or he's coming or something? He went uh, somewhere recently, because I remember he was like with like a bunch of like World yeah, War II veterans. A few days ago, yeah, he was in the United States. And just like, what are they really talking about that's really of substance? I mean, you know the stuff of substance that's going down behind closed doors. and it, It's ceremonial at this point. Yeah. You know. So I, I think another thing, too, is like, it's the same thing. I And, you know, obviously I have problems with uh, Elon Musk, <laughs> um, but I do get really annoyed with people um, who, you know, who talk trash about Tesla only because of him, because he's the face of the company. And really, that's just such a disgraceful thing when you're um, you're all these brilliant engineers that have developed these cars. You know, he has little to do with them, actually. You know, yeah, I was gonna say that would imply he actually did any of the work. Exactly, he doesn't even own any of the patents. Maybe he's really more of a more of an edit. Well, maybe not with the patents, but he's really more of an Edison than a Tesla, if you really think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mm -hmm. I mean, how much differently? Like, so I've learning about all the presidents over the years, especially recently. I've learned more and more. Like, it's really just about them how good a communicator they are, and that's why so many people judge. I think Biden so poorly and uh, Obama better than Biden. Like Obama was a better president than Biden because he could talk better. Even though if you look at their policies, I like Biden's policies better than Obama. It's, it's really weird to think about it. Yeah. 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 yeah they, there is something about like, if like on the outside, they can like have a certain aura about them. It's so much easier to overlook. Some things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's really weird. All right. Is it my turn? Uh, yes. Ah, well, that was a good back and forth, though. Okay, well, this is, <laughs> hey, this is a segue, because it's, uh, how have your political views changed since you were in high school? Oh, man. Um, so, since high school, let's see, 2008, I was in middle school, and I was like, oh, yeah, Obama changed, woo! You know, like... <laughs> You know, like, we were so young, yeah, <laughs> naive. You know, uh, and like I, um, so for like a little bit of a background, my um, family on my mom's side, uh, both sides of my family were are very religious, but my mom's side of the family was very liberal to progressive, and my dad's side of the family was more apolitical or conservative, one of the two. And of course, I live in a very conservative area. Right. And so like I, I was kind of like exposed to just about everything at some point. Um, but I, I definitely started off as like just your ba basic generic, like I like Democrats because they're not George Bush. You know, like that. Yeah. That was about as far as like my 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 thoughts went. Um and I basically just uh, you know, I I got on a progressive streak. I I was very much uh, pro Bernie from the beginning. Um, and I haven't really uh, strayed too far from that because like there, there was like a little bit where like I kind of got obsessed with like um, having the most specific label as possible. 
Cause like, you know, cause it's we like, all go through that phase. Oh yeah. Cause like, uh, uh, cause like I'm, I'm like, uh, like going back to music, like I'm very much like, like, oh, well this genre of music is called like neo thrash metal because of this, that, and this and that, like, you know, so like, I, I almost kind of did the same thing in politics where, well, technically, since I believe in this and I believe in that, and I believe in this, this makes me a left wing libertarian progressive, you know, like in, insert all the labels. And I, I would still say that like, you know, I'm, a bit more of like libertarian left or whatever you'd want to call that label. But at, more recently, all those labels have become so like uh, blurred that, you know, I, I would now just say that like, yeah, I'm, I'm progressive libertarian left somewhere in there. Yeah. Bernie Sanders, domestic Teddy, like somewhere, <laughs> in, maybe Eugene <laughs> Debs put somewhere in between those three you know yeah so like i i've i've gone a trajectory but i haven't like uh admittedly i i haven't been like you know all over the the place um maybe with a few issues i have but like not in terms of like an overall uh an overall like uh like state like label or stance or whatever you know? Yeah. No, I hate labels, and I, I I agree with you that especially the older you get, you're just like, uh, you know, my identity is I'm more secure with my identity now, and so I don't need these. Like, I feel like a lot of teenagers, especially young men, they're trying to find their identity, and so they cling on to these labels as a way to find their group, and um, it's a great way to make friends, you know, especially in yeah. Discord servers, um. Like, oh, we have this in common. And it's a, it's a kind of a quick way. And even like if you <laughs> election Twitter, a lot of my viewers kind of overlap with election Twitter, which uh, is mostly 15 to 24 year olds men. Uh, all of them have their labels in their description of their like their political ideology in their description of their profile. And um, honestly, I'm just so far beyond that. I've, I've reached a point now where like s stop trying to label me because it's going to change tomorrow anyway. And I think yeah. if, if uh, I just try to be not ideological, uh, pragmatic, but yeah, obviously like you and I have very similar beliefs on I, nearly I, every issue. <laughs> so, yeah. Cause like, uh, I guess like one thing I can add, um, it's kind of weird. Cause even though I'm kind of now in the area of like, yeah, I mean, I have a more generic than specific label now just because things are complicated. But I remember like part of the reason why, like I never really like had a completely different trajectory growing up was because like uh, my mom's side of the family, I was way closer to. And like I mentioned, uh, both sides of my family were religious, but my mom's side of the family was very liberal or progressive religious. Hmm. And there, there's something about like, a, you know, for better or for worse, it is what it is like, Republican politics have been very connected with like the religious right since before I was born, certainly. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so a lot of like the issues that may have been like, you know, framed in like a religious way, for example, well, my mom and my grandpa were like progressive Christians. And so like, you know, I, a lot of like the, um, I don't know what you'd call them. A lot of the talking points never really, latched on to me because I already had a different uh, viewpoint religiously for many of those issues anyway. 
yeah. if, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so I, I think it, in a way, like, it kind of, like, uh, prevented anything from, like, uh, like, pulling me away. Because, like, you know, for example, I remember, like, growing up that, like, you know, my grandpa, like, you know, super religious, volunteers at church and, you know, mm -hmm. all this stuff. But I always remember how he would, you know, every grandpa has that thing that they complain about whenever, like, they sit on their rocking chair or whatever. <laughs> and, like, my, my grandpa, I remember he would always, he would always make all of these, like, grumbling uh, things against, like, like televangelism and mm. you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Like, oh, they're, like, distorting the message and, you know, uh, and, you know all that stuff. And I, I, you know, we're all influenced by, like, the people we live with, whether we admit it or not. And I, I would definitely say that, like, uh, in a way that probably played a lot in, like, you know, making that path, making that other path, like, not an option in a way yeah because like from an early age it's like oh it feels so fundamentally wrong you know and so like if someone said well aren't you religious yeah or at least i was then not so much now admittedly but like uh you know at the time you know because it felt like that all of the like during the bush years and the obama years it felt like that that was like because of the area i lived in that was like most of the arguments i would hear for the other side it would either always be the deficit or it'd be religious. Those would be the only two things. And the deficit, I'm like, well, we've always had a deficit except under Clinton for a little bit. And then, uh, or I guess Andrew Jackson, but that's like 200 <laughs> years ago, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, yeah, I, I guess like in hindsight, that's probably why it was never like, you know, uh, pulled away or whatever terminology you'd want to use. Yeah, I I grew up very religious and but it was fundamentalist and it was definitely conservative uh Catholic, you know. Um and yeah. so that's uh and yeah, part of me like it's funny because part of the reason why I ended up changing my political beliefs when I got older was the Catholic Church, like not because they did anything wrong, but because of what it there was like a conflict, like a you know, hi hypocrisy basically. Because like the I, what I was raised to believe was like oh we we need to go out of our way to help um, the poor for example like yes um, and yeah. I found like more and more the Republican Party was not giving uh, I mean there were well don't get me wrong I went down I went I had my libertarian days so my right libertarian days um, so like but it, you know in hindsight it was very selfish of me and i uh it was very uh simple minded like oversimplified so i think the main thing is like i kind of it's all like it's all my influences wrapped up together you know all in one basket yeah and that's because and so that's why i have such a my views are all over the place today and yet i think i'm still pretty much where you're at i think on most issues and i think the reason why is kind of that's where people end up that have a lot of influences that are competing. That's the theory I have anyway. Uh, I, I can kind of see it. I mean, the, okay, if we're talking about the, I know it's a meme at this point, but the political compass. Yeah. Uh, anybody who's down in the green and the yellow, um, I think generally is constantly changing their mind about things. Whereas anybody's up in the authoritarian side, not much wiggle room. They're, they're pretty static their, their whole lives. They're not as curious. So I always like, 
I, I've been in the green and yellow pretty much my whole life, and I have a lot of sympathy and bias towards those folks. That so uh, I'm just very anti-authoritarian. That's what it comes down to. It like, yeah. no matter what you know. Uh, well, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm supposed to plug the Discord server. Everyone, check out Beatcord. Uh, we've re revamping it, trying to make it a lot nicer. So yeah, uh, it's all Christmassy right now. Oh yeah, well, you've been there. Well, yeah, also check out Emperor Tiger Star's uh, Discord server. I'll put the links to both in the description after I publish this. Yeah, uh, sure. Also, uh, just somebody threw this out there. A great suggestion, but I, I will say for my compared videos, I try to keep it just to two places because if I do three, it's just going to like, I don't know, overcomplicate things. And But I appreciate I probably wouldn't, would end up comparing uh, Nashville and Memphis, by the way. I think you could, um, like, if you could find a way to compare, like, uh, I don't know if you'd pick Kentucky or Tennessee, but I feel like comparing one of those with West Virginia would be interesting because of the whole Appalachia. Oh. Like, region, you know? Uh, yeah, definitely. I would choose Kentucky over Tennessee to compare to West Virginia. Yeah. That's a good one. All right. I think it's your it's your turn. All right. Um, okay. So back to your videos. Um, was there any video that like surprised you with how successful it was? Like we all get that one video where you're like, I didn't even think it was, I was just randomly putting it out there and it ends up somehow being like, you know, one of your best videos or whatever. All of them. No, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of all of them, but, uh, I think early on, um, the ones that like, uh, I think the reason why my compared video or my, the very first compared video I did was, uh, Utah and Nevada. And, uh, literally the reason why I decided I wasn't going to do a series that was not supposed to be a series, but because that video just like did really well for me back then, I was like, well, shoot, I better do, I better turn this into a series. And that's honestly what's helped my channel grow maybe more than anything uh, over the years is my geography compared videos. Cause geography does very well on YouTube. History doesn't do nearly as well as geography as a genre. And so, but I've been able to sneak that history in there, which has been great. There's um, always that rule of like, keep it simple, silly. And you know, sometimes like, yeah, you, you'll do like, it's like, Oh, I'm just comparing two places. That's pretty simple. I guess I'll do this. It's like, Oh, what do you know? A lot of people like simple stuff. So. Well, then again, that Utah and Nevada video was like eight minutes long. And then now all my compared videos are like 25 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, you stick a history video in the middle of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably why. Because I, I always stick more and more history into it, which probably shouldn't do. But people like it. So go for it. Yeah. All right. Uh, what would you do if you weren't a YouTuber? Oh, I don't know. Like, I... I've thought about this a lot because my original plan was um, like, oh, this isn't going to be my full job. So I was actually preparing to become a history teacher and it had gotten to the point where I was in a college program for that. And I ended up dropping out and just changing to a normal history major just because um, I did my first, it wasn't student teaching, but it was like shadowing. Right. I had to shadow at a few practicum. places before I student. Yeah, practicum, yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember I went to, I wanted to do high school. There was no way I was going to do middle or elementary because like I'm, no. 
screw the children. I hate children, but, uh, <laughs> you know, like, but, you know, I, I shadowed at a high school, I shadowed at a middle school and I shadowed at an elementary school. Like they had us, my program had us do like one of each. And I remember it like all three levels, it was like so different than what it was when I got out of high school. It felt like that, like, at least in my area, my year of high school, graduating from high school was like the last of an era or something, because I, I noticed that like, oh, everyone has an assigned Chromebook laptop now. And like, it's like, okay, load up your Chromebooks, kids. Your lesson is preloaded on there. Mm -hmm. uh, watch the video, play the quibble game. And then I'll just be in the back if you need me. <laughs> and like, it just felt so like, it felt so like lifeless almost. Yeah. And the fact that like, it was like, okay, in a fifth grade class, it was like that. In a middle school history class, it was like that. And in a high school history class, it was like that, which told me like, okay, this isn't just like, you know, a random lazy teacher. This was just how the direction that public schools are moving in. Uh, it was way more just, you know, everything's already on your cheap laptop. There's not so much of like a, like a, like a classic lecture type thing. There's not so much of like PowerPoint anymore or even Prezi. No one uses Prezi anymore. Uh, you know, I remember when Prezi's like, oh, Prezi's the new PowerPoint. Um, but yeah, it was just so different. And also like a lot of the schools have gotten more like a, like airport security, like, if you know mm. what I mean? Like I, I, I recently like revisited my high school and they installed like, like security checks at the door. It was well, all, really, the school, all the school shootings. I, mean. I, I know, like it makes sense, but it's just, it's like the vibe is just so different. Heck, mm. I, they even like literally the year after I graduated, they got rid of the rule saying you couldn't wear hats at school, which made me so upset because I always wanted to wear hats at school, but like, because I hated, I hated messing with my hair, but like, you know. I gotta say, I was I was a big reason why that policy got changed at the school, a high last high school I taught at. I was like, I was always complaining that why do we not let them wear hats? You know. Yeah, I, I actually real quick have a, a funny story where I almost got sent home from from what I was wearing. I was wearing, uh, so uh, like I'm wearing like a like an NXS T-shirt right now. <laughs> yeah, one of my nice. favorite bands. Um, I, my wardrobe outfit, if like I wasn't at work, was just band t-shirt jeans maybe khaki shorts if it was hot outside <laughs> and that's basically like always been like what of my outfit is because i have so many band t-shirts and one day in high school i was wearing metallica's ride the lightning uh, nice. as a t-shirt uh my favorite Meta metallica album metallica's my favorite band um nice and uh on the front it had the album cover which if you've never seen it is just like, you know, an electric, an empty electric chair in like blue clouds with like a lightning bolt zapping it. Mm -hmm. And then on the back of the t-shirt, it had a guy sitting in the electric chair being burnt to a crisp. So like he looked like a charred skeleton <laughs> being zapped like a lightning bolt. Yeah. And my uh, geometry teacher thought that that was too graphic and for whatever reason, he, like there wasn't blood or gore on it. I mean, I guess it was a charred body, but you know, whatever. His eyes were open. He was alive. Um, yeah. So they, he sent me down to the uh, principal to see if I should go home and change my outfit. And mm -hmm. uh, 
So I went down there and the principal wasn't there for whatever reason. So it was one of the uh, assistant principals who was there. And uh, so I told him, I'm like, is my, do I have to go home? Like, is my shirt too vulgar or something? And he says, like, oh, I love that album. Go back to class. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. The, it felt so great because, like, I, because, like, one of the advantages of listening to like Boomer and Gen X music all the time is that was the age of all the teachers. So, yeah. Like, so, like, I, I, I'd like walk into a classroom, like, oh, hey, nice poster of the boss. You know who that is? Yeah. Bruce Springsteen. You're my favorite student now because no one knows who that is anymore. <sighs> yeah. So, you know, it was so easy for me to, like, you know, get away with stuff like that all the time yeah well I, but to your point about uh it, the classroom being much more student-centered these days with the laptops um i imagine was this like probably what like 2015 2016 when you did this 2018 2019 yeah it, basically to get back to that though it was like look if the studies show that, that somehow this is more effective for student learning good because that's that's what matters like I, as long as i don't know if it's true but as long as what they're doing is effective that's great but admittedly like i was wanting to get into teaching out of my passion for wanting to teach the subject more than yeah than like making sure that they learn it which so i kind of realized okay being a teacher that's like you either crash and burn in like the first year or two or you're there for 40 to 50 years kind most of the time. Right. You know, like kind it, of, yeah. it, it seemed that way. Like almost every teacher I knew either left after a year or, Oh, I've been teaching for like 20, 30 years now. I'm not going anywhere. And so well, like, it, those, those, those uh, 30, 40, 50 year teachers have nice pensions. Like the younger teachers don't get those pensions. Yeah. yeah <laughs> That's definitely part of it. But, but at least in my mind, it's like, okay, this is, I, this is, I, I should probably, it'd probably be better for me to change my mind before I, you know, put yeah. way too much into it and get, you know, stuck there. It's like, well, I can't just leave my job now. I got a teaching degree. What else can I do? I think you made the right choice and you're still teaching. So yeah, that yeah. was another way I, I looked at it. Uh, now, if my YouTube crashes and burns, uh, I don't know what I would do. I guess I would like go back to working at a library, but like I, <laughs> you know, history degrees don't exactly get you too many jobs either. So like, you know, whatever. I'll, I'll deal with that when I get there. But yeah, when I, the last few years I taught in the classroom, that was definitely all the students had uh, Chromebooks and we, I think it works as long as you, it's blended. We call it blended, blended learning, which a lot of studies back up that it, it's fairly effective. I think the most important thing is that you still had uh, portions of the class where it was teacher centered, where we, the big ideas, everybody was being taught at the same time and there was interaction, but also I was a big fan of group projects and discussions and like, uh, you know, opportunities to interact with the, the kids where you're building relationships with them and you're not just talking at them. Um, and so that I think is what kind of kept it all right. And, but a lot of teachers don't do that. A lot of teachers will just like literally say, here's everything you need good luck. Let me know if you have any questions, but a lot of, especially if they're a coach, you know, they're, oh, yeah. if they're a coach, they're in the back, like working on uh, football uh, plays. That's what everyone know. told me. Like, you're not going to get a history teacher job unless you're also a coach. I'm like, no, I don't want to be Through a coach. That. Yeah. yeah I, I, well, I did coach. I mean, I, I coached tennis and basketball, but I, I, but I, they I do pressure that on you though. Yeah. I, yeah. 
Well, some of them, some districts do like um, the last high school I was at, they were, my administration was really cool and they didn't pressure that. Um, I just, my friend talked me into coaching the freshman girls basketball team, but, and it was fun, but yeah, like uh, there was a point where I just didn't have the time and yeah, you, you want to see your kids too. And, and so, uh, but I get it. Like, I think you chose, I mean, look at, I mean, one of the biggest problems I had with being trapped in the classroom is like, I couldn't, I couldn't leave. I couldn't even go to the bathroom. Whereas oh, yeah. now we make our own schedules. You know, we, uh, there's a lot of things that you probably, if you knew that you probably didn't even get from the practicum that would have later dissuaded you from going that route. I don't want to like if people in the audience who are thinking about becoming a teacher, I don't want to like discourage you because it is still a very rewarding profession, but it, I probably wouldn't be surprised with what, whatever you would tell me. Cause if there's one thing I've learned is like, Teachers are some now there are some really awful teachers out there. Don't get me wrong, but it seems like that for the most part, most of the people who aren't there just for, you know, an easy paycheck or whatever, or what they perceive to be an easy paycheck. Mm-hmm. Like so there's some of like the kind of like kind of like medical workers. There's some of like the most like passionate people and they're willing to take a lot of shit. You empathy. Know? They all have empathy. The, empathy. Cause they, 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 they really are passionate about like, making sure that people learn and that they're prepared for the future and, and stuff like that. Like they, there's almost like an added weight. They feel the significance of their job and that passion helps them overlook the shitty hours, the shitty paycheck and, you know, all, all this stuff. And yeah, so it, it wouldn't surprise me whatever like additional horrible stuff that teachers would have to put up with. Yeah. Sad, but true. <laughs> definitely we need to treat our teachers better uh i've got right. an idea it's called us uh, uh paycheck socialism you take all the money from the sports players and you redistribute it among the teachers <laughs> be much more care. there you go yeah that's like that one uh key and peel episode where they uh they have a draft for teacher or something like uh, <laughs> yeah like oh this teacher's yeah they got a contract with a, their agent. Got hooked them up with a million dollar contract. I don't know. Uh, okay, is it my turn to ask you? Uh, oh no, it's your no, turn. No. Okay, yeah. 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 All um, right. Okay, like- so uh, in making your channel, have you noticed like any like running gags or memes about you that like your audience has made? <laughs> you know, like any like particular like catchphrase or joke that for whatever reason you always notice like your audience memeing about. Yeah, I mean, the, the first thing I think of is the Mr. Breast Give Me Money meme, which has become pretty big. Uh, uh, it, if you don't know about the Mr. Breast Give Me Money, it basically is like a this young young uh, person thought that I was Mr. Beast when I commented under a music video, which, uh, oh gosh, what music video was that? That was, uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. And they uh, asked me for money, but they instead of saying Mr. Beast, or even my my name, Mr. Beat, they accidentally typed Mr. Breast, give me money, and then somebody screenshot it later, and, and it was spread on Reddit and became a bit viral. Uh, so I, I get those comments literally every video is just an ongoing, <laughs> yeah, running joke. And uh, I noticed that, yeah. I mean, anything related to Mr. Beast, I'm now always forever in his shadow, even though that's not his name. I found out recently, and this really tripped me out, but when I was uh, a sophomore... In high school, he was born a few miles away from where I went to high school, grew up. 
He's from, he was born in Wichita, Kansas. I found out in 1998. Um, so yeah, that's a small world. I guess later he moved to North Carolina, but uh, you know, uh, a shout out to Canubis. Um, he, uh, Canubis or I'm sorry, they, um, they ran into his crew at VidCon this past oh. summer and Canubis was like, Hey, uh, you should check out my friend, Mr. Beat. And he, it's pretty funny because he always gets these Mr. Beast jokes and they were just kind of chatting about it. I don't know if this crew ever uh, relayed that message to him, but it would be kind of funny uh, one of these days to cross paths with, with him, you know, for the memes, just for the memes. Yeah. What about you? You have any, like, what's your uh, most constant joke, ongoing joke in the comment section of the video? That's nothing to do with the videos. <laughs> Has not well. I, it has nothing to do with the videos. I don't know. I, I guess like uh, I don't know. Actually, I, I I don't know. If it has nothing to do with the videos, then uh, I'm not sure I can actually really like think of any because most of the time it's just like you know. Oh, I'm I'm picky with maps, so like you know, everyone's like, oh hey, here's a horrible map. Here's a horrible map. Here's a horrible map. <laughs> you know. I'm always the arbiter now, it seems. Um, you are the, uh, the map god. Supposedly. Uh, <laughs> but um, no, I don't... I, I've also seen a few people say, like, nope out of 10, because, like, on my bad maps videos, that's what I always give the worst grade. Is like, I'm not even giving it a zero. It's just a nope out of 10. And some yeah. people kind of meme about that, but I haven't really had, like, any, like, giant memes yet. I do want to, like give a shout out to your recent video of the uh, horrible map awards of 20. Hopefully this will be an annual thing. I hope so. I, a, a lot of people were kind of like uh, divided on that. Like some people liked the format. Some people didn't like it. Uh, so I don't know. Didn't also you're doing also very get, well. Get uh, the Emperor Tiger Star plushie. The, yes. The Imperial cat. Yes, please. Cause we have to, um, it, it, It'll, people will only get them if enough people buy them. So please get them. I'll share that too. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I'm trying to get a, get you some uh, promotion here. Oh, yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Cause I'd feel so bad if we're like just short of the number and then no one gets any and oh. everyone just gets their money back. You know, I ordered one. So we yeah. better reach the, <laughs> we got, we got to hit 200 guys. <laughs> we're only, at, we're only 10% there. <laughs> but you know well you just started you have time yeah i got time uh okay well i don't remember what was the question uh, oh yeah uh, it's your turn yeah. yeah yeah so uh oh we're getting a little bit you know what i'll, I'll save that for last i'm gonna go more specific because the last question is kind of broad oh, yeah. uh all right so name five historical events every human being should know about Oh, um, only five. Gosh. Yeah, only five. It's so hard to narrow it down to five. Um, and thank you, Corey, for all the super chats. How broad do you want these events to be? I would say fairly broad because you don't want to get, I mean, obviously, if you say Battle of Stalingrad, I mean, that's. That's yeah, because I, I was gonna say like, I was thinking about cheating and saying like uh, 
Bronze Age, Iron Age, Industrial Age. <laughs> Not that broad either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I would say um, I, I shouldn't do these in order because I'll be here all night. Um, <laughs> Fall of Constantinople, 1453. Um, World War I and World War II. I know that's easy. but Would you include the Holocaust in World War II? I think that it would be hard not to. That's such okay. a huge, I feel like it's so interconnected, you know. Okay. Um, and uh, I, this may be a little too broad, but I would say that like, um, not just for the United States, but like uh, Western expansion for like all of North America in general, hmm. you know? Because, like, you know, Mexico and Canada had their own versions of that, too, when moving against Native Americans. But I think, like, as a broad event, I think that that is really essential. Because I, I feel like that, like, um, Australia kind of has a similar thing. But, like, if you really think about it, like, that was kind of, like, the most horrible eradication of, like, an entire realm of history you yeah, know, compared to other places, ninety percent, yeah. mostly due to disease. Ninety percent of yeah. the population. Um, yeah, because yeah. I think it's kind of important to like also talk about what we what we don't know because of what we've done. You know, and everyone right. talks about like you know like the Library of Alexandria, which like yeah, that's like a horrible tragedy. But I, but in a way that like a lot of the things we lost there would be things that we'd rediscover later, like you know certain forms of engineering or math or whatever. But then, like, in terms of, like, what we've lost with, like, uh, for example, Spain burning down the, like, Aztec records and yeah. libraries and stuff like that, I feel like that's so, like, we're, we're never going to get most of that back. And we're, there are going to be so many things that we'll never know the answer to now. You and know? culture is different. Yeah, destroying culture is, is uh, so much more devastating because with science, you can rediscover it usually with the scientific yeah. method. You can come to the same conclusions where culture can be forever lost yeah and then as a fifth one i would put oh gosh it's tough i know we have somebody here uh has a few yeah see i I don't know, because like, I feel like I already said World Wars One and Two. so if I say Napoleon, then that would just be, like, way too Western. But then it's like, oh, how do I only pick one event from Asian history or African history or, you know, anywhere else? Um, uh, Man, some good suggestions in the chat at least silk, silk road's a good one um yeah mongols just, we'll just say the mongols can't go, can't go wrong with the mongols i always think about it, the crash course you know like, yeah well they, the, the exception uh, yeah yeah uh, yeah great yeah that's always i mean you know we could obviously go on and on I, for hours. it's so hard to narrow anything down to five you know the thing i thought of the first thing i thought of when i thought of the question was the colombian exchange like see like, like yeah like see now i feel like yeah <laughs> there's always gonna be something where it's like oh what yeah. about this ah of course it might be something that a good collaboration opportunity for history tubers i think at one point oh yeah 
Because, you know, like um, if you're creating your own history class, but you only have so much time, you know, like what, yeah. what and you need to teach it quickly, like you pick and choose. Well, I, I think th you got to think about it thematically. Like to me, there's always probably 10 to 15 themes that everybody should know that um, like, for example, I think everybody needs to learn about xenophobia um, because that's led to so many problems. Like you can trace it to so many things. Um or learn about migration, like um, how, why, um, like causes and effects. All you know, I mean, you can it's, if you look at the broader themes and you narrow it down that from there, then you can kind of. Um, <laughs> a couple people said the Big Bang. <laughs> I guess technically, oh, the God, the Godfather's here. Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, sorry about that big question there. What do you got next? Uh, don't apologize. Uh, penultimate question. Um, is there a video that like you really want to make, but you don't because like you're worried it would crash and bomb? Oh. And so it wouldn't be worth your time or you feel it wouldn't be worth your time. Yeah, a lot of them really. Um, because especially with Supreme Court videos, like I think there's a, a lot of important cases that I just don't think the videos will perform well. Like the only people that will play them, um, or share them will be teachers, you know, <laughs> or yeah. law dorks, um, law students. Uh, so I would say most of the Supreme Court brief series, which is why I haven't released a video in a while. Um, more specifically, let me just open up my my trusty uh, spreadsheet here. Um, I think if I like, I, I want to release. Uh, Honestly, a lot of these would probably do all right. Um, yeah. I mean, some of the curriculum-based ones, I, I think, won't be... Like, I want to do uh, a video about Three Mile Island disaster. Like, oh, I, I don't feel like that would be... Yeah, I mean, but I don't think a lot of people would actually click on that and watch it. Have you noticed there's like almost like this weird window where like your channel is really small... So it's inconsequential. So you make videos about whatever you want and then you get popular, like the first level of popular, mm -hmm. and then you're doing what people want because you want to keep to grow that. Right. And then there's kind of this middle spot where like, well, I don't want to just do a topic about anything because that could bomb and that would ruin my month or whatever it is. Yeah. But then eventually you get so big that you can make the most random thing on the planet, like CGP Grey or and they'll watch someone like that, and they'll watch it. You know, Tiffany. Like who the hair? Who the heck cares about Tiffany? Yeah. And yet he got millions of views on it. Uh, I thought I was so devastated by my Oregon Trail video flopping um, after all the time I spent into it, and it was like the thing I'm most proud of. Um, also, my Pony Express video where I, you know, I visited the museum, I interviewed um, folks. I I want to do a video about the um, National Road, the Cumberland Road. No one's going to watch that. I, I'm, I'm a big fan about West, West, Westward Expansion is one of my favorite topics in American history. And yeah, uh, I also want to do a series about every single, eventually, you know, maybe before I die, about every single Native American nation. <laughs> like, oh, that, that would keep you some, busy for a while. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd have to get some help. But uh, so, yeah, like. It, I don't even know if, because so many people, like anytime I release anything about Africa or South America, uh, Americans are just so like, I'm not going to click on that. Uh, so, and that's yeah. most my audience is Americans. Uh, sorry. It's a, but 
Yeah, I, I do eventually get views on those other videos because people from those countries are clicking on it to watch. But that's only at, those are people that are not subscribers. And I don't know if they're going to stick around for my other content. So, yeah, there was one I did recently about the congressional mace. And um, I actually like I ended up just doing it anyway, just because I, I couldn't think of like any other topic at the time. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, this is this is interesting enough. And like for the first like two weeks three weeks maybe it like was a dud and i'm just like ah i kind of figured that oh well at least i tried but then it kind of like became a slow burn yeah and it's kind of settled down now but there was a while where it, it's like now it's at like like a little over two hundred thousand views i watched it, it yeah it was no, it's uh, a, that you messaged me about that one that's a it's such a random thing. Like it's so such. It a seems like one of your videos too. I'm just like this. This seems like a Mr. Beat thing more than a more than a me thing. But uh, well, people don't even know what a mace is. I know. Just like just the premise of like, oh, you know, you could technically be whacked in Congress. Not that it's happened a lot, but it could. You know, <laughs> that should be honestly your title. You should change the title to uh, uh, this stick. They can beat you can get beat with this stick in Congress. I just realized it. I that's why I added weapon of Congress, but like I, I remember being paranoid of like, oh, would I get demonetized for violence or Who something cares? like that? You know, Who cares? it will get more clicks. <laughs> yeah, but I have rent to pay. You know, it's like, a, uh, I'm so you know how upset I am lately with oh, my age restrictions. Like, I've had three age restrictions, especially on my other channel, my Nirvana video, because I mentioned Kurt Cobain died of suicide um sorry oh also i got an email from youtube saying uh we noticed that you post a video about suicide we just wanted to make sure you're okay if not please dial the this the suicide hotline i'm like these bots are out of control like yeah i i i'm so like it's so frustrating but at the same time it's like i don't i don't know like what i mean i'm not an expert but like i don't know like how else they could fix this problem because if you really think about like youtube has like like you know thousands of hours uploaded every day and so you know that it's like physically impossible to hire enough human employees to watch every single thing that's been uploaded but at the same time it's like yeah their their bots need work yeah well they're, they're so bad every time your channel gets age or your video gets age restricted um every single time views go significantly down which is weird because they they added the um copa thing where you add like is this video aimed towards kids yes or no right and so you think that like because like i just put no just because like you know yeah kids can't watch them but like you know you know i'm aiming more towards like high school and above more than anything so like i don't, I don't want to be lumped in with like nursery rhymes or whatever but at the same time you would think that like since you're already pressing no on that, that you wouldn't have to worry about age restriction. Right. To a certain point. You know? Firework, I see you. Uh, you're one of the few people watching on Twitch, so thank you for those. Most people are watching on uh, YouTube, by the way. So uh, I just want to let you know that I see you. Okay. <laughs> All right. We each have one more question for each other. All right. So this is it. Um, this is kind of like um, I. I, and when we go back and forth on Twitter, uh, it seems like, you know, you tend to be the more cynical one. I tend to be the more optimistic one, which is weird because I'm like the old man. And 
<laughs> I I used to be way more. Uh, I like to say I'm a short term pessimist than a long term optimist. There you go. Uh, that's what I tell myself. But like something like post like 2015 ish has just really like you know. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One person in particular that kind well, of not 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 even <laughs> just, not even just he who must not be named. I I mean like uh so many events and i don't know if it's just because i'm older and i'm paying more attention or if you know we're in that chinese proverb of living in more interesting times but you mm -hmm. know it, it it feels like the the uh, equivalent of like being job or something where like you're just being like you know tested and tested and tested with the worst in people the worst in people the worst in people over and over again like so it's admittedly like yeah i've gotten a little more cynical but yeah i want to be an optimist again I just, you know. Well, yeah, okay. So I guess my my question, um, and I actually have an argument that um, maybe the most cynical people are actually sneakily the most optimist because if you are complaining so much about everything, that means you also are constant. You still care. You care to make the future better for our children and grandchildren, our future generations. Whereas the people who are just like, ha, I'm just going to watch reality TV and scroll endless, like mindless TikToks all day long. I feel like they are the ones who seem to be more cynical because they're not even, they're just in distraction world, you know? I, I think, I think both distracting with social media and distracting with system, I think they're both ways to either deflect or prepare yourself for pain or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. You're like avoiding it's, anti um ex as existentialist basically one of, yeah one of them is avoiding and ignoring and the other is bracing yeah i like i prefer like uh, and so yeah i mean uh, and really it's not just we, i bring up tiktok and reality I, I think it's any distraction they could be sports it could be being you know, obsessed with in you know in a, in a rock band or something whatever but i think um you and i tend to always have the pulse on like okay society as a whole hum our species are we going to make it? And so that's why I'm ending with this question here. Um, like, of all things that worry you about the future of our species, uh, what what keeps you up at night the most? What's the thing that's the most worrisome that we need to, to focus on? Okay. <laughs> I am terrified of, I mean, I know AI is very broad, but like, you know, there's always that idea of like, oh, no, robot uprising. That I'm not as, like, worried about. I think that's a little overstated. I am worried about uh, misinformation reaching a point of no return because of AI. Because, like, you've seen, like, you know, all these deep fakes and stuff like that. And the, how long until someone deep fakes an order from a leader to fire a nuclear weapon and someone believes it? Or like you know, or, or maybe not even a nuclear weapon, but like declare war or do anything, you know? Because like you know, for example, president, commander in chief, maybe it'd be a little difficult to do a deep fake to have him like fire a nuke because there's so many uh, things in place for that. But imagine just something as simple as like, uh, hey Mac, uh, I'm giving you the order to do an air raid on this spot in Iran. You know, there could easily be someone like you know in the military who'd be like, well, he's the president and. Uh, we're supposed to hate Iran or whatever. And so, you know, someone somewhere could eventually fall for something like that and cause like, you know, untold amounts of damage and suffering and irre 
irreplicable mistakes from stuff like that, or as visual deep fakes get better, imagine it gets to a point where video evidence is no longer admissible in court because it's impossible to tell if it's something's been edited or not. So now Jeez. imagine that. Imagine that. Uh, because uh, I don't know if you've seen it. I forget what the name of the show is, but it was made by the creators of South Park. But the creators of South Park did a show that's just them messing around with deep fakes. And the and there were a few of them were like, okay, the only reason I know this is a deep fake is because this is a show about deep fakes. But there were a few of them where I'm like, okay, if I would have been like tired or unaware that this was a show, I could have, you know, believed that this was like real footage. Um, you know, and technology only gets better and it seems to get better like quicker and quicker and quicker. And you think about like misinformation now on Twitter where all you have to do is just post a title of a headline for yeah. an article that most people aren't going to read the full article, let alone do any research, but they automatically assume it's true because of their cynicism and their biases and stuff mm. like that. Now imagine you have a deep fake clip on TikTok of like random celebrity or president or whatever saying something really horrible. Yeah. And you know, it, um, and it would just like, you know, even if you're able to have official channels say like, oh, no, this is deep fake or whatever, there would always be some portion of the population who would think, no, nah, they're just covering their asses. That's an excuse. You know, we've already kind of been there with social media because of our yeah. insulated echo chambers. We uh, that pe some people literally never get out of their echo chambers. And so they yeah. um, whatever, anything that contradicts their misconception or the, even if they are right, they think they're right. If, if it, if it contradicts it, they just automatically put their guard up um, and say, well, you know, and, and it's so easy. It's so easy to downplay that, anything. And that's why it worries me the most, because we're already living through like a minor version of that. And then, mm. you know, it, like, what's the phrase where like, it, it's just like, it, it only takes like five seconds to tell a lie, but it takes like five hours to disprove the lie or however that phrase goes. You yeah. Know? Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so I just imagine, like, you know, uh, in a decade or two, maybe even sooner, you've got all these, like, assuming TikTok and YouTube are still the platforms, but they might not be, but um, you've got all these YouTube and TikToks of all of these deep fakes, and there are just so many that you can't combat them all anymore. There has and, to be some kind of AI to combat it, obviously. And the same that, thing. That's what I hope for. Yeah, I, I imagine that like, um, you know, I imagine that like people who are more experts in this sort of thing than I am, I imagine that they'll come up with some sort of way to be able to detect like some sort of code or what something that says it's an AI, or maybe there'll be some sort of law that will require all deep fakes to be labeled a certain way and all of the companies that provide Deep fake software will go along with it, maybe, but then there would always still be someone who says screw that and they do it anyway. I, I don't know. I I don't know, but it, it but I would say that is currently probably the thing that like keeps me up most at night now. Mm. You know. Interesting. Yeah, I, I would imagine that we are more uh we've got 
we're more alarmed, I think, overall at something like that as a society, whereas I think something like social media, it, it, it seemed more benign when it first came to be in the early aughts when like, oh, this is just the way it is. We're just going to connect with people. And and now we know all the problems with social media, how much it's this destroyed society. I mean, even if you look at the, the effect it's had on teenage girls, like the suicide yeah. rates and all that, like, so I feel like at least maybe we are in a better place beforehand before it gets too bad. Maybe we can, I have no idea if there are already, I don't know, working on this, but they should be. Yeah. yeah. I did. Um, if you want something optimistic, um, I did hear this interesting idea and I, I forget where it was some podcast I was listening to and they had a guest on and someone said that like something that maybe could be a, a campaign that like people could support that would really help with all this stuff is some sort of like algorithm legislation mm. where you have to, where you ban certain types of algorithms. So like you would mm. ban, so like the idea of like, okay, um, you're not allowed to use algorithms to promote, you know, certain controversial things. And like, I, I know it would be like controversial because of like, you know, freedom of speech and all that. Um, but like the way they described it, it wasn't about like, you know, like, shadow banning per se but it was it was about like you know like you know if it bleeds it leads right and so it was about like you know preventing algorithms from yeah yeah i think that's it um yeah, it, it, it like prevents like algorithms from favoring certain like type of things over the other so it truly would be you know equal noise so to speak almost kind of like an algorithm version of the uh the fair news act or whatever it was called like back right. then they used to have on tv and not that that would fix everything because it wouldn't but i think that's like the closest thing to like some sort of like uh compromise that isn't like too restrictive but still has some actual potential action that could at least help uh combat some of the problems with social media especially for like some of the more benign stuff, like, you know, like suicide rates among teenagers because they're being exposed to, you know, X, Y, and Z. I, I think that like, especially that could help with something like that. So, you know, we'll uh, see. Yeah, no, that's more in your, I mean, like uh, the thing is all this stuff was meant to be harmless. Um, and, and yet, you know, unintended consequences. Um, and yeah. here's the thing, like this would require, the government to have power that it didn't have before. So obviously people are going to be alarmed by this. I, I, I would even argue it's not even power they didn't have before. I just think that um, people, because the internet is still relatively new, I think that like people want to still separate it from like TV and radio. But if yeah. you really think about it, internet is the new TV slash radio slash mass means of communication. And I, I almost think it would be natural, just like how the FCC jumped from radio to TV, that not saying that it should be the exact same rules or even the same body, but at least the idea of having um, certain uh, regulations on social media or like uh, makes, so I've heard the argument of like making social media like the new public square. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how that would work, but like, I feel like that there could be some things they could add just like they add with TV, you know, you still had like, you know, uh, plenty of things you could do with cable TV in spite of, you know, 
FCC restrictions. And while I'm sure you would have right. to make, I'm sure you would have to make updates that would work for the internet, but I think, you know, something like this would work. Uh, I've also noticed that like the European Union has a lot of um, special rules for websites whenever yeah. you log on to a website in their area. Germany has a lot of like privacy laws mm. for like collecting data, which yep. I think would be important to manage. So I think that like, you know, without being too restrictive and 1984E, I think there are plenty of things like that that you could do that I think would really help. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. I yeah. I mean, it also, it is somewhat decentralized too, because if you're talking about algorithms and you're mostly just talking about bots, you're not even talking about humans. Um, exactly. Uh, yeah, so uh, interesting. I need, I haven't even thought about this, but that's a... Yeah, I, I think, you know, as soon as the majority of boomers well die like, <laughs> i mean let's, let's be real because like a lot of people in congress just like don't use the internet very often they don't they understand really, it they don't understand it and i think eventually there will be younger people who recognize these problems and would be more adept to making legislation like this that would actually yeah. be effective and i so the cynicism comes in of well Will the boomers actually die or let this sort of thing happen? Or will they somehow be like Richard Nixon's head and just somehow find a way to live until 120 and never leave office? I don't know. But, uh, you know. Yeah, I think, I mean, in the meantime, I think media literacy is the most important skill to teach uh, for all students, K through 12. Absolutely, yeah. Because, I mean, they, I, I was not, taught it I, I learned it in college like um you know you think <laughs> i mean so many kids even like i bet you some in the chat right now like they think that research is just asking google or siri or alexa they don't uh whatever the first result is that's the answer holy crap like how I, how yeah. oh no i remember i remember high school was like well uh it's important to uh double check your information you can look on ebsco host or you could look on jstor you yeah know? that's the thing like those were the uh, two options or whatever. Uh, yeah. like that yeah i mean well i mean i'm show my age i actually would have to go to a library to actually get legitimate information oh, i go there too yeah i mean the uh in the late 90s the internet was you couldn't find a lot of that academic stuff anyway and so it was too slow even if you could get on um so yeah, like I think as long as people are raised to um, think critically about the information they consume and not just blindly accept something as truth because someone told them, which you know that it's I, still pretty easy for I younger folks to get manipulated. I'm actually a little optimistic on that, and obviously it's anecdotal, but I feel like that um, a lot of like uh, younger Gen Z kids, like ones who are like still like in high school. I've met more and more of them who are immediately skeptical to what they hear. Yeah. Now it doesn't mean that they're media literate. Um, and you know, there's still a bunch of other problems that like any generation has, but I, I think that like um, there will be some sort of like generational natural backlash. Well, where are we seeing the worst um, media literacy right now? It's be Boomers. people between 40 and 70 yeah yeah even like uh older like silent generation biden's age and you know really old people like older than boomers they are not they don't fall for some of the same 
traps. It's so bizarre. Well, think about what they lived through, though. Maybe that's they, why. Yeah. Well, because like you know, depending on how old the silent generation people are, they lived through some of the most blatant eras of propaganda in American history, like McCarthyism. Yeah. You know? Been there, and, done that. You know, like, they're they're probably used to the idea of like, oh, you know, don't believe everything you read. Remember when people taught that? Yeah. Now, now here's the thing about we got to talk about this. I know this is a bit of a tangent, but like moral panics in general, moral panics have gotten so bad lately, in my opinion. But you, 80s, can yeah. trace, you can trace moral panics first back to the 80s, though. Um, remember satanic, the satanic panic of the I, 80s. I would go back to the 50s. On well, no, I'm, you can go back to the Red Scare of the 20s. I think I think that it's a very cyclical thing. But the thing is, this new cycle started in the 80s with the boomers who are now parents for the first time in the 80s like and their kids were gen x um or maybe you know older millennials and so they i feel like i i hate to pick on a generation we always pick on the baby boomer generation but uh th i feel like because it's not their fault because of the times they lived in uniquely they they missed out on just the craziness of the of the 20s 30 well the world war one through the through uh the 1940s yeah. like such a crazy time to live through and i mean you it's it, since 1950 really the biggest thing especially in the united states like the biggest traumatic event i would say single-handedly was 9 11 like you know, because like uh, every yeah. war that was fought was like far away, you know, Iraq, Vietnam. It, it's hard to it's hard to think of something that even comes close to 9-11. I mean, there are a few events, but like none of them that like changed like society and culture. Like there were a few national tragedies, like, you know, like the Challenger incident, for example, where everyone was like shocked and saddened. But it wasn't enough to like completely change how government and society acted and create new forms of prejudice and yeah stuff like my that. larger and, point that it was just a very insulated society um yeah. so you kind of have to create monsters out of thin air and it's yeah people have made i've been seeing in the chat people have made the the fa fact that panic moral panics have been around forever of course they have we, you know we talk about we we one of the important most important things that we taught um our students in world history class was about the salem witch trials the you know the witch yep. hunts the actual literally they thought people were witches and uh so I don't know. I guess what we, because of that, but I think the internet has been a net positive in the fact that it kind of forces people to, to be connected that otherwise would not be, especially across different cultures. Like, um, you know, so many Americans still don't even leave their country. Um, most of them for financial reasons, but, um, but the fact that you had like a lot of, people on my discord server, probably yours as well. They're from different countries and yet they're still friends. And there's this inevitable empathy that uh, bubbles up because like, Oh yeah, my friend is Estonian. And uh, I, I, you know, I can empathize with what they're going through. They tell me about it every day, like being scared yeah. of Russia, whatever. Um, yeah. I, I, I will say, um, because like currently there's been like a rise of like a backlash against uh, LGBT stuff. Yeah. Recently, especially with trans people. But at least with um, like Gen Z, it feels like that, at least with most of them, that hasn't really hit them. Right. 
And I think I think it's fascinating because like it compared to like, you know, like feminism or uh African American civil rights, uh it it seemed that like um even though there's a long history of like LGBT civil rights, it seemed like that the ball went rolling really quickly after like after like the year two thousand. Like, you know, seems like we got like marriage and a normalization towards a lot of that stuff for the average person a lot quicker compared to like desegregation or uh, women in the workplace or whatever other comparison you'd want to make. And I, one thing that I am not cynical about is most of Gen Z, they're so, they're so solid with um, their LGBT views because nowadays like everyone knows someone who is LGBT and that makes it a lot harder to, buy into a lot of the backlash against it because like you know you could have lived in a neighborhood that had like no minorities so it's a lot easier to demonize them you could have you know everyone has like a like some like a woman that they don't like or something and it's a lot easier to develop that bias but then like with lgbt people like it nowadays like so many people came out because of all the advances in the 2010s that now it's just like of course they're not they're not monsters like that's like my best friend that's my relative that's my you know yeah all that stuff and i i'm at least optimistic about gen z in regards to that where it doesn't seem to work now with the boomers and some of the gen xers of course you know yeah it, it does seem to work and you're you're always going to find someone where it works with but oh overall you know i, I think that the moral panics this time around aren't gonna aren't gonna affect the young the younglings at, at this point it seems to be uh driven by it's like a it's just like a desperate fear uh, reaction to a, you know a quickly changing society and it freaks people fear change i'm gonna make a video about that actually that's all i'm gonna call it we it, fear it's change. always it's always anytime something is about a fear of change it's i'm skeptical immediately yeah i'm buying into anything like that because i always frame everything as like well okay is this person a threat to me and almost always the answer is no they're not a threat to me so why would i care that's how i live my life like i don't i mean i i just don't understand it's kind of a sign of an insecurity really like as a person like a lot of you do see a lot of times it's people that suppress their own feelings and so they feel like they need to lash out because they never lived out what they should have lived out when they were younger it really is sad how how common that is yeah Yeah. uh anyway i think you have one more question for me and then then start to wrap this up and it's a fun one okay Um, okay so when you think of like all of the states that make up the Midwest traditionally, yes, if you could kick out one state from being designated as Midwestern and you could replace it with another state and consider it Midwestern, who would you or which states would you swap out? That's a great question. Um, I'm going to first pull up a, a map for the audience here and make sure we understand. Um, yeah, West see that, that Midwestern. Okay, that, that's the that's what I was thinking when I think yeah of yeah. So states, yeah. I would say, um, you know, oftentimes 
I think Missouri is kind of like the out of place a little bit. Well, I'm mostly, it's not because Missouri, it's always Kansas city and St. Louis. And so they ignore the rest of this, but the rest of the state is very different. And you know that we, we are very mixed culturally. Yeah. Yeah. Like Southern Missouri has way more in common with, I think Tennessee or Arkansas or. You um, could, you could divide it along the Missouri river. Almost anything South of the Missouri river is going to be more culturally Southern same with uh, Southern Western. Illinois, even. Yeah. Um, whereas I think Kansas kind of fits because, you know, Oklahoma is kind of like a Southern Midwestern state in a way. It's like it kind of feels Midwestern sometimes because it was settled so much <laughs> later by Europeans. Obviously, it was Indian territory up until the 1890s, and there's still a heavy Native American influence there. So it's kind of Oklahoma, I think, is way different than Arkansas because of that which I should, I should do a compared video with those two. Um, Cause I yeah. did Missouri, Arkansas for my, I remember I sent you that script, I think anyway. Yeah. So I'd probably say Missouri is um, kicked out of the Midwest. And you said, who would I bring in? Yeah. Maybe Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I'm serious because like Alaska, um, if you look at who settled Alaska, it was a lot of Midwesterners um, mm. early on. Cause like they couldn't get anybody to move up there. Um, of course, you had a few Russians before the United States bought bought it, and then some Russians took around. But then, like after that, the United States had a really hard time getting people to move up there unless they were just kind of crazy, like gold prospectors, or they wanted to. They had nothing. Else. I mean, sometimes some of the people, earliest settlers of Alaska were just kind of crazy. Um, yeah, literally, literally mentally ill. Um, <laughs> so, no offense to Alaska. But then you like flash ahead to the uh, the 1900s and the federal government's like, okay, we want we want it to be a state. So how are we going to get people to move up here? And so they had um, programs, um, and then also the state of Alaska as well. They started paying uh, dividends to for once they discovered oil. That oil money, like every resident of Alaska gets um, uh, some of that money. So anyway, there were all these financial incentives to move up there from people from the lower 48, and so many did, and most of them that did were from the Midwest, a lot of them from Minnesota, actually. And that's why to this day, when you go to the Matsu Valley, there's a Matsu colony, actually. I'm going to make a video about that, that um, they sound like they're from Minnesota. You know, they yeah. have sort of an accent. Sarah Palin is the best example of that. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, in a lot of ways, that uh, I, I shouldn't speak for the entire state of Alaska because it's huge. And obviously, there's a huge uh, indigenous population up there. But I think the... South Central, the, the Matsu Valley in particular feels very Midwestern in terms of culture. Yeah, I I don't know. This question was kind of on my mind because I was recently watching, um, it's like a, a tattoo competition show called Ink Master. And uh, they had, uh, oh, this season we're going to divide them into teams based on the region of the country. And they had a team called the Midwest team. And they included Montana, Wyoming, and Colorado as a part of the midwest colorado that, see yeah see that that felt weird to me but on the other hand it's like well i guess they're traditionally considered western but like you know uh washington oregon and california feel very different than montana idaho wyoming and those feel different than arizona new mexico nevada utah you know colorado this i think it's there's so many Californians that have moved there that it just feels yeah. more and more Western. Plus like Southern Colorado still has that heavy Southwest influence. Southwest, um, yeah. Colorado is like a weird, like 
fusion of a lot of stuff. Yeah. I guess the more I think about this, I know Alaska was kind of the hot take answer, but obviously West Virginia, you could probably throw in the Midwest. And then I've heard course, some people throw Kentucky in the Midwest too. Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. Especially Northern Kentucky with Lexington, uh, Louisville, and then Pennsylvania. I mean, Pittsburgh feels it's very Midwestern Pittsburgh. Like I would say Western Pennsylvania, even like upstate New York, you know, you got Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse. I mean, those. Because anything west of the Appalachians. Yeah, because it, I mean, those Rust Belt cities, Rust Belt is, uh, is very, I mean, obviously aligned with Midwest <laughs> specifically. So, yeah. Anyway, I was just going for the hot take answer. Great question. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we've been at it for more than two and a half hours. So, I guess. Maybe we'll answer a few questions from the chat, I guess. And uh, I don't mind. How much you want to stick around for a few more minutes? Sure. That's the that's the sport. Yeah. Don't have to drive anywhere tomorrow morning, right? I'm probably gonna like stay up to like three a.m. anyway. So like you know. Oh, just... you're a night. Out. Do you get most of your work done at night? I feel like I do. Yeah. I do not. I am. A, I, I'm most productive between six a.m. and noon. I swear it's weird. They're, like my, my sleep schedule almost kind of like slightly rotates. So I'm mostly a night owl, but every like, you know, like once a season, my brain will almost do like a weird, like uh daylight savings type of correction. Go, you know what? No, tonight <laughs> you are going to be tired at 9 PM and wake up at four or something like that. And then it's like, well, now I'm going to be a morning person for like a week or two. And then it slowly, slowly goes back to the night owl before it does like a little hard reset. So that's weird. But yeah. But most of the time I'm definitely a night owl. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, here's a good question from Nico of Alabama. If y'all could travel time travel to a specific period in American history, which would it be? Ooh. Um, it's so hard because there's something about studying history where once you deep dive into it certain enough, you lose all the, the charm and you realize, oh, it had all these things that really sucked. Yeah. You know, now I'm thinking yeah. like, you know, aside from just like normal, normal uh, discriminations and stuff like that, just imagine even things like, oh, lead paint is everywhere. Oh, gosh, am I going to am I going to get stuck with lead paint poison or whatever? Or, uh, oh, more people, more people smoked in public everywhere. And I hate tobacco. So like, you know, am I going to like, you know, suffocate to death because everyone's just smoking in hospitals and stuff like that all the time? Hospitals would be worse. Yeah. You know, uh, so like, you know, these type of questions, it gets a lot harder for me because like if we're talking about like, I'm actually there and I'm living there. Mm -hmm. that it's a really it's really hard to go back further than like you know the 1980s and even then it's still like ah, oh, there's still so many things that i wouldn't like about the time I, period i think i'd be fine going back to the 1960s i think it would be uh now obviously pollution was really bad then that's a and that's kind of when the cities are starting to fall apart yeah yeah uh, urban uh, rise in crime and all, i'm not sure how much that was a true versus overstated for politics but or related seems... to lead or yeah that's true i There's think there was actually a study done on that yeah oh yeah. yeah uh but i mean yeah like there are certain things that were better but it also depends on the place 
I mean, yes. where are you going? Do you want to be going to, you know, next to uh, smokestacks and Cleveland, or do you want to be going to, <laughs> to uh, Woodstock uh, or I don't know. See, that'd be the other thing. Like pre-internet, like even with TV, like certain places like the Midwest, like you would have the charm of it if you grew up there because it's a community. But if I'm just like, you know, coming to a small Midwestern town as a new person, I'd be bored out of my mind because like, you know, I wouldn't be going to the, you know, the smoke filled bars. Cause that's not only is that not my thing, but it'd be way worse than now. So I would, I remember it. that when I was a kid, I remember the yeah. smoke filled bowling alleys and coming yeah. home smell, smell. Yeah. I, I, smoke. I yeah. guess there would be a bowling alley. And if I could stand the smoke, that would be my main source of going out or whatever, just cause I couldn't think of anything else. Uh, on the other hand, if it was like, okay, if I'm just going back for a little bit, like a like a, yeah. a vacation, if you will, I would love to go back to certain times in the 60s, 70s, and 80s just to see like concerts of like bands that I would never have been able to see in my lifetime. Yeah. Like, like the Beatles, like, oh, I could see Beatles in Chase Stadium. That would be cool, even if I couldn't hear any of it. You just said, they would all be screaming. <laughs> but, just, but just seeing them there. Yeah. You know, it'd be kind of neat, or, or even just like a, 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 like you know, living in a certain time period right before like some really iconic song or album comes out, hmm. and just kind of living like a week, like seeing ev how everyone react to it, yeah, and, and stuff like that, like like right before Thriller drops or something like that, or, uh, maybe right when MTV starts, or, uh, you know. It, it could be fun to observe and people watch if like yeah. if I'm just going back for a few days. Okay, I like this question here by Titan Rage. Uh, what is the most interesting era in history, in your opinion? Like, we're talking pretty broad uh, Industrial Revolution, Bronze, Bronze Age, Cold War era, etc. Uh, if it's if it's limited to politics and culture, I gotta go with Cold War, but. With anything else, I would actually say the Bronze Age. Oh, you, we got two of the choices there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, I mean, obviously, I'm not really much for prehistory, but it makes sense to kind of gravitate towards that because it's like, wow, how they make that dramatic transition. But at the same time, like, it's just such a, it's so foreign to modern times. Actually, you know what? I'll change my answer because I think I was just looking at the three options there. If it's anything, um, I'd say the most interesting era was like in between Napoleon and World War One, that 1815 to 1914 era. Because uh, like there's a lot going on in Europe, there's a lot going on in America, you got the rise of imperialism, a lot of like the uh, foreshadowing of modern politics and culture is there. Um, the Industrial Revolution, I mean, I know that kind of overlaps heavily with that era, but I'm actually not as interested in, like, uh, um, like factories and the development of technology. That, mm. That's not really, like, it can sometimes be interesting, but that's not really the stuff that I care about. So a lot of the things of the Industrial Revolution are like, and this is how we developed the first textile mill. That, that stuff, like, you know, puts me to sleep and... <laughs> oh, and this, you know, and this is why this necessitated the development of railroads. It's like I, I don't care. Like, <laughs> I'm more interested in like the, I'm more interested in like the, um, 
the I'm trying to think of how to put it. the stories of yeah. like you know the human element of the, like, the human element yeah I I think I, I'd be more specific in like saying maybe the 1920s would be something I'd like to look mm -hmm. I always love to learn about 1920s or 1960s as far as decades um, but yeah like overall my favorite thing to teach in the classroom was the Cold War especially early Cold War, uh, 1946 to 1965. Like, I mean, you got so many times where it just seems like, yeah, this is going to be World War III and the, the end of the world is just going to happen. And uh, it's the way that, I mean, the leadership was just incredible, uh, especially in the United States, but it really all over the world is amazing that, like, it is amazing that we didn't, it did, didn't all end in the 1950s. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Um, we, th we say that now, like, how are we still here? Um, but I think a lot of that was the foundations for that were set up in the early years of the cold war when they just kind of like m made the decision, all the leaders collectively said, no, we're not going to drop nukes. Sorry, we're not going to do it. And I think even you see the two people that we worry about the most today that are living, uh, Putin and, uh, Kim Jong-un and, uh, anyway, maybe any other nominees for like, I don't know, but regardless, uh, for the most part, we're not worried about that because no one, we don't think someone would be as stupid to do that because it would end it for, we'd all be gone, all of us. I think there was something about that year where they had lived through the Depression and World War II, and the, like you know, two eras, whether economically or literally, some guy trying to take over the world, like where the world came so close to like, quote unquote, ending. That I think there was something about like, no, we're not going through this again. We just now got to the other side of this. Could we not screw it up? So many advisors yeah. told Eisenhower and Truman, uh, especially like with the Korean War, like, no, we need to drop nukes on China. So many of them said that. Yeah, it's, they, always, it's always the difference between like the, the armchair generals versus the people who actually like lived through some of the fighting. And also that that's why I think it's so important for... I mean, no offense to mil career military men, but also like it, the president needs to be a civilian position and uh, kind of they can see they kind of have this lens into another yeah. world that a lot of times generals don't have. Yeah. Also, I should add, just since you mentioned the 1920s earlier, it's going to be really weird that now as we get older, we're going to have to start specifying 1920s 1930s oh that's right because now because now they're going to be younger people who are saying no we're in the 20s right now yeah although um, this is kind of the second roaring 20s i feel like this has already been such a crazy decade look at what's happened since 20 maybe not financially but you know oh man we, we there are, are similarities for sure yeah this is a interesting time to live in. A <laughs> We've got our Warren G. Harding in office. We just had a great pandemic. We're trying to return to normalcy. <laughs> it's not working very well, you know, and we're, we're approaching this big economic collapse again, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm trying to find one last good question for us to, to end on here. That's something that. Uh, yes, I'm the same Mr. Beat from YouTube. We got another Twitch person here. Like, what the heck? Who's this? What's? They probably stumbled upon it. Uh, who would? Okay, yeah, this is a good question. We'll end with uh, who would you want to bring back to life? 
Oh, man. <laughs> I guess it would depend. Like, are, if we're bringing them back to life now, would they be like the age they died or would they be like the prime of their life? Let's say the prime of their life. Oh, my gosh. Uh, God. Kurt, Cobain. Kurt Cobain is such a cliche answer, but at the same time. No, I'm not Kurt Cobain. Not a musician. Come on. Oh, come on. But those are the people I care about. <laughs> like, you know, I would say Einstein. That's who I would say. I uh, some Somebody who's brilliant. and Although there are plenty of people there today that are living there just as brilliant as him. So, Okay. I'll, I'll switch one cliche for another. But I actually think that like this would actually do a lot of good. Mr. Rogers. Ah, yeah. I, I think that like, especially as really dumb and cheesy as this sounds, we are living in such cynical, confusing, and in some areas, hate-filled times that like someone like Mr. Rogers who could like cut through all of that and yeah. just kind of like be like some sort of like new like uh hey i just want everyone to get along and be nice to each other because like he was effective enough where he, i feel like he could actually like you know reach out to people like imagine like a mr rogers like youtube channel <laughs> yeah because yeah, like uh, yeah. uh i forget the name of the channel but um it was like some sort of channel where uh, i wish i remember the name uh, but it was like uh it's like, hi, I'm dad or something like that. Or literally the whole channel is just this guy in his 40s. He's a dad. And all of his videos are just like, all right, son, here's how to change a tire. Or here's how you fix a broken toilet. You mm. know, a lot of like the, the various life skills. I know who you're talking about. I came across that yeah. guy. And, and like he would always end his videos like, I'm proud of you, son. And, you know, everyone in the comments is, like, crying and being Thanks, like, Thanks, oh, Dad. You were know, my dad. Yeah. Yeah, why can't you have been my real father? Like, you know, I think as much, because, uh, like, there is kind of this, like, weird talking point of, like, uh, you know, loneliness and, uh, you know, touch-starved or however you'd want to put it. There, There's something about, like, this, like, I, I feel like that a lot of people have been stressed out they're emotionally starved for a lot of these things and it's so easy to repress that or be distracted by everything that's going on that yeah you know, i actually think as cheesy of an answer as like mr rogers is i think that like someone like that would be really effective at like helping a lot of everyday people yeah with problems that aren't immediately obvious but are still like huge no, that's good. That's a really good one. I think I agree with you. Yeah. So that's, uh, I think we all kind of aspire to be like Mr. Rogers, all of us who grew up watching them. And even if we didn't grow up watching them, we know about them. And great dude. One of the few that, like, you know, everybody loves. <laughs> he, he's like up there with like Dolly Parton as like someone where it's like, I swear to God, if I learn anything bad about this person, that's it. No more hope. It's all <laughs> over. You know? Yeah. I love Dolly Parton too. Oh yeah. Someday I'll make a video about her. Yeah. All right. Well, let's end on a happy note. Yeah. And on the, on Mr. Rogers, I like it. So, uh, everyone check out Emperor Tiger star, subscribe to his channel. If you haven't already, I'm sure a lot of them already have, but, uh, um, 
thanks for being a guest here. We've wanted to do this for a while and absolutely. Yeah. Plan on keeping the series going. So uh, all of you have a wonderful week and uh, we'll see you next time. See ya. Bye-bye.